Hi everyone, Lauren Mosier here. So this episode you're about to listen to is A, amazing, and B, part one of a two-part series on The Princess Bride. My guest McKenna and I had so much to say on this topic, and I hated the idea of cutting out any of our conversation. So with the advice of my boyfriend, I decided to split the full episode in half and give you guys twice the fun on a beloved classic. This episode will end after the superlatives, and next week you can tune in to hear all our notes and spicy hot takes on the movie. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy part one of The Princess Bride. I used to love that movie Please don't remake this I have such fond memories of that film Please don't remake this Hey Hollywood, if you wanna be smart Just hire some writers to make some new art And after our heart-to-heart Go make a new star childhood please don't remake this please don't remake this hi everyone welcome to please don't remake this the movie podcast where my guest of the week and i get nostalgic and talk about one of our favorite childhood movies i'm lauren Mosier, and today i have with me one of my former classmates uh, actress screenwriter and movie reviewer for the Chicago Film Scene website. Please check it out. Her articles are amazing. McKenna Batterson. Hello, hello. Hello, McKenna. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. Like, this is dream come true. I cannot wait to <laughs> pick your brain about... I literally wrote down questions in my notes of this movie just because I want to know your uh, your takes on certain things or like oh well wow, lucky for you my number one favorite thing is uh, watching movies and my second favorite thing is telling people my opinions about movies so. yes <laughs> that is the theme of this podcast <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on and also like really quick shout out so I was reading your work and um oh. the review that you did on how of um Haunting of Bly Manor Oh, um, thank you. One just, of my favorites. Yes, it was so amazing. And my boyfriend and I binge watched that show in literally two days. Like, really, if you, yeah, you could have deserves to be watched in it, two days. Honestly, yeah. People like I highly recommend just binge watch the entire thing in one afternoon. Like it's <laughs> agreed. <laughs> it's so worth it and you just get such a roller coaster of emotions. I agree mm-hmm. with you in the article when you talk about crying watching it. I yes. I like literally had to be um consoled by my boyfriend when the show ended because I was just like what do I do now and uh but I wanted to read one of your quote quotes that like really stood out for me for the article that oh, wow. I, okay. I just thought was I just thought it was like a great some like um a great theory on on why we watch um tragedy and why we watch the macabre mm-hmm. and one of your lines that you you wrote was maybe it's because even tragedies leave you feeling a little bit hopeful for the future our own personal hubris convincing us maybe our story will be the exception from the pain. And oof, that one (laughs) really got me. Like that whole ending paragraph got me, but that specifically that line, I was like, that's me on like a daily basis. Cause I watch a lot of true crime. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts Uh and I've always wondered like, why am I so obsessed with all these tragic things? And when I read that, the idea that like, it's kind of like a COVID theory, you know, people Mm -hmm. think it won't happen to them. Until it does. Until it does. And that 
I think there's no better time for Bly Manor to have been released. Like, that was just... Oh, I agree. Yeah. Great timing on their part. And your article was beautiful. Just talking Thank about... Thank you so much. The romantic relationships and... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that last paragraph, I kind of was inspired from Hades Town, the oh, musical. I'm yes. not going to lie. Yes, yes, um, yes. Because, like, that whole last number of Hades Town is all about, you know, we know this is a tragedy going in. We know it's not going to end well, but still we hold on to that hope that maybe this time when we watch it, things will be different. Maybe this time he won't look back. Maybe this time they'll end up together. And I don't know. I think it's just a very human thing to want to like hold on to that hope and want a happy ending, even though we know in our minds for a fact, it's not going to end happily. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and this movie and this, um, that series was different in comparison to Haunting of Hill House. Cause Haunting of Hill House, you get the feeling that maybe like things might work out, but from like the very beginning of Bly Manning, you're just like, Oh yeah, no, <laughs> like, this isn't going to end well for anybody. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I just, I loved your review. I think it really was like hit it right on the head of all the strengths of the show. Some of its weaknesses, like it was, it was great. So everybody I'll be including a link to that article in the show notes now that we've talked about it and just like touting it out. But, um, yeah, everybody go check out McKenna's work on the Chicago <laughs> film scene website. It's it's great. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so now for the movie we're actually talking about today, <laughs> we are going to be talking about The Princess Bride, the 1987 Ooh. classic uh, all ages movie with like every mm-hmm. genre known to man in <laughs> one cute little like hour and 37 minute movie, something like short, sweet and simple. Um, Mm -hmm. And I always start off the episodes asking my guests, you were the one who selected the movie. And uh, so I want to know a little bit more about like why this movie? When did you first watch it when you were a kid? What uh, makes you come back to it, revisit it over and over again? Sure. So this is probably one of my favorite movies ever made. Um, And it was actually introduced to me by my dad because it was one of his favorite movies also uh, when he was a young man. So it was kind of like this movie that he shared with me and my sister. And it was like our movie that we watched together all the time. Um, so I like grew up loving it. I mean, I, how could you not? It's about like princesses and pirates and literally adventure. it has like the best like elevator pitch in the movie. I wrote that as one yeah. of my notes, the best elevator pitch of a movie ever, like uh-huh. swords fights, revenge, true love, <laughs> miracles. Like, Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's like that drew me in as a kid because it's, you know, it's it is it's exactly what you said. It's an all ages movie, but I think especially like as a little girl, like watching it and like being pulled into this fantasy realm where like princesses and pirates existed and lived together and fell in love. Like you just you couldn't go wrong with that. Um, Yeah. So, you know, it's it's always been like really have had a special place in my heart because of that. Um, And, you know, I. I, I think it's now I would consider it one of like my comfort movies, like yes. my emotional yeah. support movie. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's exactly why I created this podcast during COVID. I realized the movies I kept reverting to were my childhood favorites mm-hmm. that just brought me so much comfort, like you said, and yeah. so much security and safety. You felt like you could really escape the world for a little bit. And this is one of those movies where if you turn off the lights, grab that bowl of popcorn, mm-hmm. grab a blanket and set yourself in front of a big screen and watch it, you are totally totally transported yeah and you can I I find every time I watch it I just forget everything yeah yeah and I I haven't watched it in a while I'm gonna be honest it's 
like I think it's one of those movies that like I really need to be in the mood for because you because it totally envelops you so like Mm -hmm. you can't this is not an easy casual watch movie yeah yeah Yeah. um so it was nice like re-watching it and revisiting it as I was like re-watching it for this podcast because like I just haven't watched it in such a long time and I was taken by surprise honestly at a few points because I was like wow I forgot how funny this movie was yeah I forgot how like (laughs) well written it was like the fight sequences I forgot how good they are like it felt like I was watching this childhood movie through an adult's eyes because the last time I watched it I think I was like in college I think it's been a really long time since I've watched it so it was just like a new experience this time rewatching it yeah I I totally get that I Hadn't watched it in a while, but I showed it to my boyfriend for the first time, I want to say maybe, like, only a month ago. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, beforehand, he said, like, he didn't really like cheesy things, or he was worried about maybe it being, like, too campy. And then we watched it, and he was like, aw, that was, that was really cute. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so, I feel like you can relate to each character at least mm-hmm. at one point or another. Even the villains, like, there's something oh, yeah. about them that you can, um, like, can subscribe to, you know? Yeah. And it gives, and it's a hopeful movie, which I Mm -hmm. think is what always brings me back to it. Yeah. I mean, it's like the ending of the book, which I was obsessed with the book for a really long time in high school. Um, The ending of the book ends in this really beautiful way where it's like, it's talking about how... it's not certain that Anigo like, survives getting stabbed, and it's not certain that, like, they escape, you know, Buttercup and Wesley escape, but, you know, William Goldman, who wrote the book, he mentioned something like, we like to hope that this happens. Yeah. And we like to believe that this happens. And I think the ending of the movie did a really good job of capturing that spirit of, like, you know, maybe this ending is, like, not very realistic, but, you know, at the end of the day, we just want to see people end up falling in love and staying together and being happy yeah and is that so much to ask like that's not too much to ask in this world yeah I totally feel that I actually have a couple of spicy hot takes like on the ending of the movie mm-hmm. and re-watching it I was a little like wait a second about a couple of things <laughs> so I'm excited to get to talk about that because Ooh, I can't wait to hear yeah because I I agree with you like this the I I've never read the book and I'm dying to read it mm-hmm. and um I I think part of the reason I've avoided reading the book is I love the movie so much I'm like oh shit shoot, am I going to like the book more and then it's going to be hard to watch the movie again? (laughs) Or am I not going to like the book and then I'm going to, like, I love reading, so it's, like, hard for me to ever say I don't like a book. Like, that is, that is a very, I have to really, like, despise something for me to (laughs) tell people not to read something. Uh I just, I can't, I cannot casually just be like, oh, I didn't really like it. Like, no, 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 no. There are only, I either loved the book or Mm -hmm. don't even look at it. I hated the book. Like, yeah. (laughs) And I've always been afraid of doing that to this story. (laughs) No, no, I completely understand that. I think it is nice because William Goldman wrote the book and he also wrote the screenplay. Yeah, yeah. So, and he like worked on the screenplay for like 17 years or something like that. So He was so neurotic about it. I remember reading, (laughs) I remember reading um, Carrie Elwes's book on the making of this. Yes, I've read that book also. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember him talking about what a basket case William Goldman was Uh on the set. And how he <laughs> literally had to, like, get kicked off because yeah. they were filming, if I remember correctly, they were filming a scene and they heard some kind of weird noise during a scene and 
they were all like, who is that? Like, what is that noise? And they found him like huddled in the corner crying, <laughs> just like having a full breakdown. Oh, my God. From watching his life's greatest work be adapted. And Aww. poor man. And I, so uh, yeah, it's part of the reason I, I, that's like one of the things I love is when writers um, adapt their own work. Like I think about mm-hmm. Perks of Being Me a Wallflower. Yeah. I think of this movie. I just think like those are always the best book to film adaptations is when the writer has their own hand in it Mm -hmm. I Um, agree and I wish that was done more often because yeah it's yeah (laughs) because sometimes sometimes when it's not adapted by the writer it can get a little wonky but I think this was certainly not the case for this movie no absolutely not this was this was a triumph and the idea that it's still so eternal and Mm -hmm. will continue to be into the future is amazing like I can't wait to show my boyfriend's kids this movie yeah and I know they're both gonna have so many things to love about it and uh I love that this is truly I think like we'll we'll get to that with most iconic but one of the things I consider to be most iconic is I think this is the most family-friendly movie Mm -hmm. I can think of like in existence like I tried sitting there thinking about it And I was like, this movie is entertaining for kids because it stays engaging. The dialogue's not too um, highbrow for kids, you know? Like, there are certain senses of humor that they can get as well as adults. Yeah. You can watch it with your grandparents and, like, (laughs) across the generations relate to it so well. Yeah. And who doesn't want to be a princess or a pirate, you know? Exactly. Exactly. The dream for all of of us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But, yeah, so uh, the stats for the movie... Um, we have 1987, uh, picture it, uh, shoulder pads and, uh, and, um, like pantsuits and obnoxious, um, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like business cards from Wall Street men and everybody's doing cocaine. It's crazy. (laughs) And somehow this movie gets made in all the midst of that. Uh, came out in uh, October of that year, rated PG, uh, directed by the remarkable Rob Reiner. And Amazing. as we mentioned, written by William Goldman, who also wrote the book and mm-hmm. starring, I'm just going to list off all these incredible names. So it's starring. Oh my God. There's not a single bad name on this list. Too. No, absolutely They're not. They're all stars like, now. <laughs> all stars, um, which made um, the where are they now in the most likely to succeed categories very oh, so difficult. Hard. <laughs> so <laughs> difficult. Um, so we have Carrie Elwes, Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Fred Savage, Robin Wright, Peter Falk, Peter Cook, Mel Smith, Carol Kane, Billy Crystal, and then just as like a fun little tidbit, the ancient booer, her name was uh, Marjorie Mason. And I, every time I get to that part of the movie, she just sells it like there's like nobody's in the room. She's like, I yeah. am the booer in this scene and I will own this. She is such a scene, scene stealer. Total scene stealer, which I also looked up her credit. There was no picture on IMDb for her, but she lived to be a hundred years old. Oh like, my god. Boss ass bitch. Like Yes, good whoever, for her. Yeah, like sending <laughs> sending good vibes to her wherever she is. Like, God bless you, Marjorie Mason. God bless you. I yeah. love that her character's name was the ancient booer also. Me too. They didn't give her her name's not Sarah. She's the ancient booer. <laughs> that and also i love um that they called the clergyman the impressive clergyman yes i was like oh yes because he is quite impressive <laughs> garbling every word he says <laughs> 
was so good. William Goldman had a had a fun time with those two names, I think. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have the like I have questions like that in my notes of like why Humperdinck? Why Buttercup? Why? Oh my gosh, yeah. I literally in my notes I think I wrote that one of my favorite things about this movie is how amazing the names are for a character because I'm the kind of like neurotic writer where like I spend hours coming up with names for my oh characters. Oh my god. <laughs> because like I I the, the like the names have to have like a specific vibe, a specific energy, and like I like names that once you hear them out loud, you know exactly who that person is. Yeah, exactly. Like and you I say, think... like you say Jake from State Farm, and you have a picture in your head. Like exactly, words yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. And I think every single character name in this show is ex- you know exactly who they are the second you hear it. Like when you hear Humperdink out loud or Princess Buttercup out loud, you know exactly who they are. Yes. Like there's there's no there's no hesitation. You're like, ah oh, yes, Humperdink is the villain. <laughs> Wesley got to be the romantic lead. Yeah, Buttercup. Wesley, such a good name. Bring back the name Wesley. Like oof. I know, yeah. yeah. Beautiful name. Beautiful name. Oh my god. Yeah. So um did you have any more? I know that you did some research. Did you have anything else you'd like to add to our stats before we move on to the superlatives? Um, I think the most exciting thing to me is that uh, a lot of the cast is from Chicago. Oh my god, <laughs> As wait, a really? Chicagoan, that's very exciting to me. That's so funny. Oh my god, yeah. I have no idea. William Goldman is from Chicago. Um, Mandy Patinkin is from Chicago. Oh, man. Uh, I think Fred Savage is, yeah, he's also from Chicago. So I just like that, um, we have all these little Chicagoans sprinkled in, and also the grandson and the grandfather. They're from Chicago as well. That gets set in Chicago in the beginning. Yeah, so. that's so true. I actually, I noticed that this time I saw his Bears jersey, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, interesting. I wasn't sure if, I, I didn't look it up if, like, Rob Reiner or William Goldman. Is that in the book, do you remember, if it takes place in Chicago, or was that just probably a directoral choice? Um, so... The book is a little funky, to be honest. It's a little different from the uh, way the movie is broken down. And I can, like, talk about that a little bit later. Um, oh, yeah. If yeah. you want me to, because there's no, there's no like, grandson and grandfather role in the book. Um, oh, okay. The whole, the whole gimmick of the book is that it's written not by William Goldman. It's written by this man named S. Morgenstern. Mm-hmm. And William Goldman is simply doing the, like, footnotes and the commentary on the book. And, like, on this, like, classic fairy tale that's lasted hundreds of years. So it's not, it's not quite, like, uh, it's similar to the setup of, like, the grandson and the grandfather in that, like, the grandson and the grandfather are, like, commentating on the book and, you know, reading it together. But it's um, more of, like, a scholar kind of... (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Providing his commentary and notes and like research, quote unquote research that he did on S. Morgan Stern and his estate that doesn't exist. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. The first time I read it, I was so confused. I had yeah. no idea who wrote it. I was like, who is S. Morgan Stern? Who is this? <laughs> that's so interesting. I read, there was like a kid series I used to read when I was a kid that was similar called mm-hmm. um, uh, The Name of This Book is Secret. Yes. You read those too? Yes. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember, I love those books, but I remember they confused the shit out of me sometimes because I didn't understand. I would like try to look up the author and there was like no information. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, as a kid, I was like, what does that mean? Like, (laughs) who is this? (laughs) Yeah. I was also devastated a few years ago that, um, so one of my, my favorite series of books that I, that like got made me become a reader was the Uh Nancy Drew series. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I did not know that Carolyn Keene was just a pseudonym. 
Oh, sure. And I found that out maybe like a year or two ago. And to say that I cried is an understatement. No. Like I, the inner <laughs> oh, child no. in me broke. Like I, I snapped and I, yeah. and cause Carolyn has always been like, if I ever had a child of my own, if it was a daughter, I always wanted to name her Carolyn. Uh-huh. And I was just really sad. Cause then I was like, the name means nothing now. <laughs> and I was so distraught. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, I I can relate to being confused. Yeah. yeah. It was it was really confusing and I was like, you know, I wasn't even little when I read this book. I was like 15 years old, so I had no right to be as confused as I was. <laughs> no, but I get that. I mean, like I I think about books that I read in high school that I'm just like I totally went over my head. Then uh-huh. I read them now like I remember trying to read The Once and Future King in high school and that that was a oh, miserable sure. failure. Like <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so it's okay. We do not know everything at 15. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Uh, yeah. I knew arguably nothing at 15, some would say. <laughs> I would say that about myself right now. <laughs> you know what? Fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we move into the superlatives? Yes, we shall. Okay, great. So we start a, uh, we start off with a best dynamic duo, which... I wrote down a few options just to give us some variety, something sure, to discuss. as did I. Um, so, of course, Wesley and Buttercup. Duh. Yeah, classic. Cu- classic couple goals, like <laughs> the be-all and end-all of romance. I mean, they yeah. blew all of the other kisses out of the way. <laughs> I know, I know. How can you compare with that? Exactly. How can you beat yeah. that? Um, and then I also wrote Fezzik and Inigo because... Yes, that's my top top number one yes their dynamic is just so so good yeah. and they uh yeah the, their humor like you can you can tell when that's I guess maybe that's what I love most about the movie is the chemistry in the movie mm-hmm. between all of the character relationships is excellent yeah and Fezzik and Inigo this time watching it really stood out for me and I was like yes, man yeah me like, too I almost wish they had even more screen time and they were already <laughs> in like 50 percent of the movie yeah but- I would watch a buddy cop movie with just Fezzik and Anigo. I'm going to be yes, honest. That I would have watch been that. so fun. I would have loved to have. <laughs> I actually write that as one of my notes. I kind of would have actually liked a sequel to see like Inigo become the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yes. Oh God. And what I would give. Yes. And like even Fezzik being like his first mate like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I actually, I would have paid big money yeah. for that. Um, and then I also wrote as a last option, the kid and the grandpa. Because, oh, that's cute. Yeah, because yeah. considering that they're not in the rest of the story, like, they carry the rest of the movie really well. Mm-hmm. And there's never a moment where when the other story is interrupted, I'm, like, angry to see the two of them. I love yeah. their dynamic. Well, I also really like their progression, too. Because yeah. I think it starts off, like, this kid's like, oh, my grandpa's coming over. He's going to pinch my cheek. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> not I hate him, but he's like, but he's like, know, oh, he's no. He's fed up with him. Like, yeah. I want to deal with grandpa's antics today. Yeah, exactly. Um, and watching them, like, connect at the end over this shared love of this book, like, it's just really sweet. And So you know, I, sweet. I noticed this, the second time I was watching it, I noticed that there's this line where the grandpa says, my father read this to me when I was sick, and I read it to your father when you were sick, so now I'm reading it to you. And I was like, where's, where's his father? Like, where's this little I, kid's father? I wrote that as and a I, note, too. Yeah, I, I'm like, oh, sh- oh, shit, is this, this kid's dad must be like not either not in the picture or not alive and like that grandpa's stepping into this role and like being there for his grandson and while he's sick because his own father can't do that for him and I just think it adds like a, a layer to that 
relationship that I did not see the first, you know, million times I watched this movie. I didn't think about that, but wow, that movie, this movie just got a lot deeper for me in this moment. Like, oh my God, you're so right. The dad probably isn't in the picture. Um, Yeah, which is really sad. Yeah. It's like, it brings a little bit of a tragedy into this kid's, this random grandson's story that I kind of didn't expect. Yeah, which makes it so much more rewarding in the end when he asks him to come back the next day and read it again. Yeah. And oh. you watch, and the the grandpa's, just his face, that, like, that um, warm, like, as you wish, and mm-hmm. the, I love also, I love at the very end when he's, like, so awkward getting situated, you know, and he just keeps, <laughs> yeah. like, patting his clothes, like, he doesn't want to like, leave. Okay. And he doesn't. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, doesn't know how to leave, and he's like, how do we just, like. What what and he looks so like kind of lost for a second. Mm-hmm. Just like they just had this long, like grand, like probably like the the most formative memory they've had so far. Yeah, and the best day that they've spent together. And yeah. it's oh god, it hits. I think it's a really so accurate portrayal of like a grandparent and grandson relationship, or like grandparent and grandchild relationship, because like there's that want to connect and like want to be close with them but like also the distance of age yeah and like so hard to connect with them because like what do you talk I'm about 10 you're yeah. 85 <laughs> let's talk about politics yeah <laughs> mark. exactly i i think about that my my grandmother just recently passed away and oh, i thank you yeah and i think about my relationship with her when i was growing up and like i remember her playing blackjack with me Mm-hmm. And I remember when we would go and visit her and we would stay over, we would maybe try to watch a movie together, but she was one of those people who like could not sit down for the entirety of a movie. She had to go yeah. clean something. She had to go bring us like a snack or something. Like she had to go mm-hmm. fold linens. Like she had to do something else while watching a movie. <laughs> we'd always be like, grandma, just like sit and watch the movie with us. It's like, you don't have to go do anything. And she's just like, oh no, 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 it's okay. You guys enjoy the movie. And like, we'll just go about our business. And uh, I think about our conversations like, my mom eventually got before she passed my mom a few years ago started a memory journal with her and that's beautiful yeah i want to ask her questions about like who were her best friends when she was in high school Mm -hmm. and how did she meet my grandpa and like what was her first job like and those kind of things and i got to hear some of those stories and um yeah we weren't like super close you know like the major things I remember is the thing she would always say like every time she saw me she would always say like you're so tall even if I hadn't grown an inch yeah she was just like you're so tall (laughs) and uh just all of her little quirks and things and um I watched this movie and I I also my grandparent my grandpa's passed away when I was very Mm -hmm. young and so I never got to have that grandpa relationship like in this movie. And every time mm-hmm. I watch this, I'm always like, oh, man, like if only I'd had my grandpa, like this would have been this would have been it. Like I yeah. would have wanted this kind of relationship. I would have wanted to read a book with him <laughs> all day uh-huh. and uh, just sit and talk about like grand adventures. And <laughs> yeah, it's it. Yeah, it, that's why, but that, that's so, going back to the category, so that's, (laughs) (laughs) so that's why I wrote the kid and grandpa down, because that, for me, stands out every time I watch this, I'm just like, I wish I had had more of that dynamic growing up, that's Mm -hmm. so sweet, Mm -hmm. how they come together, especially in the end, to see, like, how, like, what you said, how far they've come. Yeah. Beautiful. It's also just nice to see, um, on screen, like, especially for the 80s, too, 
it's nice to see men connecting over something other than like violence or yeah. trauma because I, it's one of the reasons why I love Fezzik and Inigo's relationship so much is because it's such a gentle relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And like it's not based on anything but like mutual respect for each other and like the fact that like they care about each other. Um, yeah. you know, obviously they've both their characters have been through things, but like it's there's just like a love between them that I don't think you see as often on TV or movies between like two male characters. Yeah. Um, especially like adult men characters. So it just like it warms my heart like the moment the moment when you like first meet their characters and um i believe uh Vizzini is like making fun of Fezzik for not being smart and he's like i didn't hire you because you're smart like yeah. did i he says something like did i just hear the word think escape your lips <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and it's like a very cruel and cutting comment you can tell that it like bugs Fezzik and Anigo comes up and he starts the rhyme with him. Yes, yeah. Like, he starts, like, initiating rhymes with him. And it's, like, this really sweet moment because, like, you know, you can tell Fezzik is, like, proud of his ability to rhyme. And so it's, like, Inigo's way of being, like, you are smart. You can't rhyme like anybody else. Like, Vizzini can't rhyme like you. And then, like, it, it's just this moment that, like, I think can be kind of overlooked. But watching it back, I was, like, this is beautiful. It's <laughs> a really yeah. nice, sweet moment between two men just, like, reminding each other, like, hey, don't listen to him. You're, you're great. You're yeah. pretty great. I did not, I didn't think about that angle either, but you're so right there. Um, emotional support of each other as much as like physical, you know, like with mm-hmm. uh, Fezzik breaking down the door so Inigo can enact yeah. his, his revenge and, mm-hmm. and um, that kind of stuff like that. Yeah, that is a very refreshing male relationship in a movie Mm -hmm. that we do not get often enough yeah oh and for the 80s too like it's very surprising that it's yes yeah for the 80s yeah um yeah i also wanted to name one last dynamic duo before we move on to the next category yeah please miracle max and valerie yeah (laughs) i mean yes i love meeting geniuses like together in one room just creating funny her her instant entrance of oh my heart and he's like uh, (laughs) and he just screams at her witch and she's like i'm not a witch i'm your wife like i I I say that line way too often for no reason. It's just my I think that's my favorite quote in the whole movie. Yes. <laughs> and I agree. You're so right. Their dynamic between like them first fighting and then them making the pill together and then them saying uh-huh. goodbye to them like yes. bye bye boys. You think it'll Have work? Fun storm in the castle. Yes. <laughs> They're that's so true that they all of a sudden like swoop into this movie and then swoop right back out again. Yes. And they uh and yeah, they steal the movie for mm-hmm. a, a couple of minutes um yeah i i totally yeah that's that's a good honorary mention for sure yes yeah. um are we are we awarding this to fezzik and anigo overall i yes fezzik and anigo for sure yes congratulations fezzik and anigo <laughs> uh, now we move on to class clown which um obviously so many people in this movie are funny but i try to oh, narrow yeah. it down to the two people who like get me every time i watch this sure and for me the two people i wrote were anigo and then the count count ruben Rugen. Really? Okay, I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, so with Inigo, I love his, with both of them, really. Their line yeah. deliveries, their, like, subtle... They're so dry. Deadpan, dry humor is my uh-huh. favorite kind of humor. 
And so to watch, like, Inigo, when he says his classic line of, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> just those classic little... Or when he's, like, waiting for for uh, the man in black at the time, Wesley, to yes. climb the rocks. And he's and uh, he's like, it's going to take me a while. And and Inigo just goes, I hate waiting. Like, <laughs> yes. I was going to say that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just those little things that get me. And then with the Count, mm-hmm. it's every facial expression. Every, like, sure. the way he'll just... He'll widen his eyes, maybe, like, a million millimeter and you uh-huh. I'm cackling because it's <laughs> he's expressing so much doing so little okay and I love his dynamic with the prince with Humberdink. I uh-huh. I just think he's like also talking about like male friendships like I love yes. how just like even though they're evil like I love how supportive they are of each mm-hmm. other well, I have some thoughts on their their friendship wait <laughs> I think we're gonna later. have the same thoughts and I'm really excited now because I think we have the same ideas I have a feeling we do yes awesome <laughs> I'm so excited um so yeah, I just love how supportive he is and like when he says like if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. Just like <laughs> the delivery of everything is what gets me. And so for me sure. those two, I love their dry humor. They're such standouts in a movie that has like so much physical comedy that has so mm-hmm. much outlandish things when they bring it home so quickly. And then the payoff of them having the duel scene, I get so pumped in that scene cuz I've been uh-huh. following their journey so much. Then when it gets to this climax of the two of them together, I lose yeah. my goddamn mind every yeah. time. I have as, as one deserve. of my notes. Yeah, as I have as one of my notes. Like, arguably, in my opinion, their duel is the best scene in the movie. Like, the best sequence. That, mm-hmm. that for me, stands out. Because I'm like, it has a good amount of humor. It has a good amount of um, tragedy. It has a great amount of... Uh, of hope and uh and like yes like you just want to cheer and it's oh it gets me every time I get so pumped yeah yeah I can I can definitely see where you're coming from with an ego I think I was considering writing him down because his it's exactly what you said his dry humor is just it's it's I don't think anybody else in the movie has dry humor like that like I think every it's exactly what you said like everybody else is more physical comedy yeah um so it like comes out of nowhere and every single time like it lands really unexpectedly and kind of hits you right in the funny bone which is you know beautiful um the two people i had written down for class clown are (laughs) the impressive priest (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) simply like i know he's in the movie for like truly maybe two seconds yeah (laughs) but it it's to me like one of the most quoted lines from the movie next to um inconceivable um oh yes exactly i i feel like if you just walked up to someone and went true love they would know what you're talking about exactly what you're talking about (laughs) yeah i love i want to give an honorable mention to like all of these side characters that are only in the movie for like two minutes Mm -hmm. just total kudos to them like the the ancient booer the impressive clergyman Mm -hmm. um uh carol kane and billy crystal yeah. Um. Like all, everybody, they all deserve like a class clown like mini trophy. Yeah. <laughs> the other person I had written down was uh, Vizini as well because oh I love Wallace Shawn in oh this movie. Oh my god. His character is just so specific and like the way he like says his lines so quickly and like sometimes I feel like you can miss some of his little like quips and stuff yes. like that. Oh yeah. But like when you do listen and hear them, you're like what. Sir, yeah. go back, rewind. Yeah. What the heck did you just say? Yeah. Um, also, that death scene, the Iocane death scene, like, you oh. really can't get any better than that. Yeah, that is, like, the best death in a movie ever. 
just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then done. Like <laughs> Also, that's a good fun fact for the movie. For those of you who don't know, Wallace Shawn, this is in Carrie Elwes's book about the making of it. Um, Wallace Shawn, he either heard, a, I think he heard a rumor that wasn't true that he wasn't the first pick for the movie uh, for, yes, for the role yeah. of Vizzini, even though he was. Like, Rob mm-hmm. Reiner has said he was always wanted Wallace Shawn for the role. But Wallace Shawn heard, like, Danny DeVito or someone was supposed to play it, and so he always felt second best, and he was terrified they were going to fire him. So he was such a nervous wreck while filming the movie. He <laughs> was, like, trying to hide, like, all of his insecurities, and he was just, like, a basket case. And they kept having to talk to him and just be like, what's the matter? Like, are you okay? And he was, like, losing his shit filming the movie. And I love going back and watching his scenes because you can see that nervous energy about him mm-hmm. where you're he's so wired. You're just like, he is, this man is on the edge. Yeah. Well, and, you can also see him visibly sweating during the yes. um, Iocane scene as well because apparently he said he was so nervous that, like, he was, he was sweating buckets because... Yeah. He just thought he was going to get fired any moment, which I don't know why. He was amazing. Yeah, he he almost, like, you could argue that he almost steals the movie. Considering mm-hmm. he's the first character to die, he's one of the top most memorable characters in the whole movie. Yeah. Oh my god, the inconceivable. Like, yes, it's probably, it's, next to As You Wish is probably the most well-known quote from this movie. Agreed. Yeah, if you say inconceivable now, people are like, oh, did you watch The Princess Bride? Like, it's... <laughs> It's just an assumption. Um, uh-huh. I I totally agree with that though. He does like slay this movie in yeah. s- all the right ways. Um, hmm. I'm down to give it to Vizzini because he does like for the little that he gets, and also knowing Wallace Shawn was terrified of being fired on the movie. <laughs> I wrote many times in this movie in my notes. I just have like I love Wallace Shawn with a little heart next to it, just so many times. Sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm yeah. Really, yes. Um, Vizzini honorable mention Inigo. Yes, on, oh, God, I love an ego. Um, Mandy Patinkin, just like, oh, I want more movies from him. Uh, now we move on to Where Are They Now, which uh, was hard to pick because, like we it mentioned, was. like everybody's a really star in this. And so I, I mentioned, funny enough, I wrote down three options, but then one of them I'm kind of like removing. Originally, I'd written mm-hmm. Fred Savage, but then I looked at his work and he's still doing a lot of work. Sure, yeah. And so I was like, eh, okay. Um, but I wrote down Chris Sarandon and Christopher Guest as my two. I think that's that's fair. That's really solid. Yeah, because Chris Sarandon, I looked, he's still working, but a lot of his work is now, like, smaller films mm-hmm. and um, less, like, in the spotlight kind of work. And I mm-hmm. think he's so fucking good in this movie, and I mm-hmm. wish we had more material from him. I wish we had more, like, blockbuster material from him. And then Christopher Guest, so many of his movies are some of my all-time favorites. And he hasn't um, performed or produced anything, I think, in, like, a couple of years now. Oh, wow. And, yeah, like, the last thing that he worked on was, um, I believe, The Mascots Show for Netflix was the last one of the last credits oh, I saw yes, listed yeah, for him. Which I remember was, that. Yeah, which was already, like, a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And I, I just love his humor so much. And um, I hope we get more material from him soon, you know, after COVID. But who yeah. knows, you know? Uh, but the yeah. two of them really stood out for me. Like, as great as they are in this movie, I just wish I want more. I want more. <laughs> I would totally agree with both of those. Um, the name that I'm going to throw into the ring, which I think is going to be controversial, <laughs> is Mandy Patinkin, actually. I I can re- I see that. Like Yeah, because I think he has done a lot of work and he's been, like, very active in his career the past few years. But the stuff that he's done isn't the stuff that, like, I think 
shows him off the best. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the stuff that I want from him. Like, he's done a ton of procedurals and, you know, with, like, Criminal Minds and um, uh, I think he was on, like, Chicago Chicago something. One of the Chicago's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the Chicago. <laughs> I can't remember which one. Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of stuff where, like, you know, his acting ability does shine in it. But I think he... I think he plays like these like gritty hardened characters. And I think what made Anigo so beautiful is that Anigo was a really emotional character. Yeah. And I kind of miss that from him. And, you know, there's that side of it. And then also the greedy side of me wants him to go back to the stage because I want more Mandy Patinkin singing. <laughs> I totally agree, which we were so close to getting with um, the, uh, the Comet. With great Comet. Com- yeah. Yeah. Great with Great Comet. comet. Yeah. And then they, they fucked all that up. Royally. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. those of you who want who like Broadway scandals, go look up why the Great Comet <laughs> closed on Broadway. It's a horrible story. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Mandy Patinkin plays a part in it. So yeah, and uh, so yeah, recommend looking that up. It's it's not great. It was not good for the show, and it's sad because that show could have run for years and years and years and years. It could have it if, was that so scandal, if that scandal if that scandal hadn't happened. And it so it goes to show, like in this in this world, like hold yourself accountable. Don't do something stupid and like it had to do with <laughs> with race in in the show so mm-hmm. of course very topical and very important mm-hmm. and they just fucked it up um, uh, but i as do broadway tends to do yes but that's <laughs> another topic let's not get into that <laughs> yeah that's a whole other podcast <laughs> uh but yeah i'm i'm down to include Man- mandy patinkin on the list i like debated whether to include it or not but mm-hmm. like i agree with what you're saying i also am selfishly want him to do so much more theater work me too um yeah. because like we weren't around in the 80s and we missed all of his greatest hits and that's not fair <laughs> i know i mean sunday in the park with george is arguably i think one of the best things he's ever done oh yeah I, yeah absolutely and i just want more of that that's yeah. that's what i want is more of that yeah and he can still pull it off i mean he did the sondheim birthday concert in 2010 mm-hmm. with um bernadette peters opposite bernadette and oh my god like them singing move on is like <sighs> a, a pure tearjerker <laughs> i'm just thinking about it my ears are my eyes are welling up my ears yes. are welling up <laughs> that's concerning <laughs> I think you should get that check. <laughs> oh, man. Mandy Patinkin, we miss you. Now he's releasing, like, funny quarantine videos. And I'm like, be on the stage. Yes. When the I stage... do follow him on TikTok. Oh, oh he does God. have a TikTok. Shout out to Mandy Patinkin's TikTok. Oh, my God. <laughs> all of follow him. All of these older Broadway stars making either, like, Instagram accounts like Sondheim or TikTok mm-hmm. accounts. I'm like, God bless all of you. Yeah. You are now... Yeah. <laughs> The person but, who pops up in my feed the most on TikTok, TikTok is um, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he pops up on my For You page all the time. He looks like he's living. Well, I mean, that's kind of the person he is. He loves uh, mm-hmm. the limelight. But, like, he is living for the attention of TikTok. <laughs> you can see As, it in his videos. There's yeah. a glimmer in his eye of, like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Which is truly nothing I'm surprised by. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, now we move on to Most Likely to Succeed. Which mm-hmm. I wrote one option and then I wrote an honorable mention. I did the same. Yes, awesome. Okay, so <laughs> my honorable mention I wrote was Carrie Elwes. That's my honorable mention as well. Yes, I just because he's still working pretty significantly. I mean, he mm-hmm. still gets these great featured roles on like things like Maisel and mm-hmm. um, other works, and I love that he's still around because he's still brilliant. He's so good. He's and, like, so good. 
anytime he'll do like all these like little mini features on tv shows and every single time i'm like blown away by him and every single time i've had to be like is that carrie Ewells? <laughs> yes oh my god it is because he just like is so good at transforming himself um while still like having this really you know iconic performance aspect to anything he does yeah he um, he feels like a thespian. Like he when does, when he's yeah. performing, you're like you're like Olivier. Like you've got that like <laughs> you've got that persona of like that command that even yeah. on film or even on television, you see how he's standing in a room and you're like mm-hmm. he has like a bubble around him and like don't fuck up his bubble. Do not <laughs> throw him off his groove. Like, yeah, well I and I think that like really translates into the roles that he's done these past few years because like his role on Mrs. Maisel was this, you know, grandiose actor type. Yes. Which and was then, like, like Wesley part two. <laughs> yes, truly. <laughs> um and then he was also in I don't know if you ever watched Psych. It was one of my favorite shows for a while. I know of it, but I'd never actually watched it. It's a great show, first and foremost. Um definitely suggest people watch it. But he played this art thief on psych oh my god (laughs) and like he was this like really suave dude and he like broke out of prison like three times throughout the show and it was so good and it was so appropriate for him um and i it's just like i love that he like just embraces that side of himself this like suave kind of like a little dastardly but charming man yeah um because he kind of did that in uh, Stranger Things as well as the mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, he's just, he's so good. He's so good. Debonair. He's so good. Yeah. Debonair. That's a good word for him. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, of course, I wrote for, like, the, the number one, obviously, Robin Wright. I mean. Obviously. Yes. Like, are you the kidding? Queen. The idea, uh-huh. I literally wrote, I screamed at the end of the movie when it said, introducing Robin Wright. I just wrote in all caps, <laughs> introducing? Like, are you, one, I cannot believe this girl. This was her first role and she fucking knocks it out of the park. And she then- was 21 years old. Oh, God. She was 21. That's not... <laughs> the time. You know, it's so sad that, like, the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, no. All of these, like, people who are... Like, people who are on, like, the High School Musical, the musical, the series, or, uh-huh. like, Euphoria are, like, actually the age they're playing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, 18-year-olds. Like, yeah. And, like, I think about when I did Tepper last year. So, for those of you mm-hmm. who don't know, Tepper is the um, New York City semester that Syracuse SU drama students can um, participate in, where we move to New York City and we can study here for our last semester... Well, for some of us, it's our last semester of our degree. And um, we graduate, and then we're, like, based here in New York. And last year, when I did Tepper before graduating, we got some... We worked with the casting director for Euphoria, and she gave us... Whoa. Yeah, and it was before... It was really cool, and it was before the show came out. So we were getting to work, and the scenes we worked on were legit in the show. It wasn't, like, fake scenes. It was actually... That's so cool. Yeah, and we... Because the show hadn't come out yet, none of us got, like, none of us understood, like, a reference of, like, what they were looking for, you know? Like, it was truly, mm-hmm. like, very much a, a, a cold take. Yeah, like, make it your own. Yeah, and we all, like, I think there was only one person who did a good job out of my entire class. <laughs> like, all of us did not understand how these high school students could be saying these things, could be uh-huh. so addicted to drugs. We were like, who are these kids? Like, this is not how people talk. And we all just sounded, like, like 40 year olds trying to be 16 like it was yeah oh and, god and the, we're and the we, grease the grease yes, method 30 yes. year olds trying to act like teenagers exactly and we were all like so confused we're like we're only like 22 23 why can't we figure these people out and it was uh-huh. really stressful and then i saw the show and i was like wow we all wouldn't have gotten cast like <laughs> yeah and it's so we funny all failed too, miserably 
Zendaya is our age. Zendaya is 23. Yes. Which, which is I, wild. Which I'm just like, girl, you are my hero. Like, I, <laughs> you, you are my, uh, like, she's my, my idol. Just like, uh-huh. I, I want to be as, as cool and, and composed as her. Like, God, for going, the dream. Yes. The, oh God, such the dream. <laughs> um, also her fashion. I have a fashion journal that I do as like a little hobby. Ooh. And to say that my pictures of Zendaya are like 50% of the journal is an mm-hmm. understatement. It, it's, yes. it's almost entirely just her because she's yeah. the queen of fashion right now for me. Every time Zendaya puts on a suit, um, I <gasps> ascend to another plane of existence. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's simply it's i she rocks a suit in a way that i am baffled that a 23 year old can walk rock a suit yes exactly oh my god i when she wore the same suit as michael jordan i was like oh my god michael b jordan i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna die i'm gonna die (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. god Mm -hmm. we love you Santaya. um (laughs) oh my god i would i think i would burst into flames if she listened to this show I'm just going to tag her and everything now. Um, this is actually Lauren and I's official announcement. We are starting a podcast simply about Zendaya. Um, that, do you know how popular that podcast would be, though? <laughs> it's just us simping over Zendaya for 45 minutes. Yeah, I would not mind that. I would not I would not have a problem with that. Uh, but um, yeah, Robin. So actually, we were talking hey, about Robin, Robin Wright. Wright. <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. Poor Robin Wright. Sorry. Um, yes, we love you, Robin Wright, too. Um, also a lady who can rock a suit. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And her hair. Um, I, oh, yeah. I like chopped off my hair a year ago to be short and eventually mm-hmm. I will reach peak Robin Wright hair. Yes. Um, but it, it will come someday. But her, <laughs> her short locks, man. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Like she's, she's goals in like basically every, yeah every well, way. She just like fully, like, I feel like maturity just like made her blossom. Like she is oh, yeah. a gorgeous, like older actress. Um, older meaning like not old, but like oh yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like a not... more mature actress in the in the ho- world of Hollywood. Yes, exactly. She's also one of the highest paid actresses in Hollywood. I learned while researching her, which I oh god, I love that so much. Yeah. I love that for her. She deserves it. Yeah, she does deserve it. She really does. The um, fact that she looks so ethereal, like mm-hmm. to this day, is yeah insane. Like yeah. how dare you? <laughs> like her in Wonder Woman. I mean, oh god, the arms, her arms. Yes, I one I didn't recognize her the first time I saw Wonder Woman. Oh my god, yeah, she really did transform. When I looked it up, I was like, Princess Buttercup got buff. (laughs) I was like, wait, what the fuck? What happened? I bet she could like break my pinky with like her her mind. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I would say thank you. Oh yeah. She gets smacked me across the face, and I just be like, "Oh my god, I've been blessed." <laughs> she's she's amazing. So congratulations, Robin Wright. You are most likely to succeed. Let's get her like a sash and a crown, and just we love, love you, Robin Wright. We love you. Come break our pinkies. <laughs> um, and now we move on to most iconic, the okay. purposefully vague category. Where uh, I'm so excited for this one. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Uh, I, uh, sure, I can go first. Yes, go for it. All right, most iconic. I think this is undebatable. The R-O-U-S's. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I did I not mean... write that option down, but that's perfect. <laughs> it's kind of a goofy option, but I think one, it's, it's just such a, it's like 
a, a moment in the film that's supposed to be fun, that's supposed to be scary, but it's just so funny every oh, time you watch it. I'm sorry, I find them scary. I know. <laughs> I'm such a scaredy cat, and the eels and the rodents in this movie sure. get me okay. every time. Eels, I can understand. The eels scared me to death as a kid. Um, the RUSs, I just like was rewatching it back, and like the fact that you can like see the human being inside of this costume. And, like, when its little tongue goes out and it's, like, licking <laughs> Wesley's face, I just, it kills me every single time. And, I, and there's truly no basis for me saying they're most iconic. I just love them. <laughs> no, but I think, I think they are. Like, there's never been a better anagram ever. Like, yeah. There's never, oh, well, anagram, acronym. There's never been a better acronym. And the fact that they're called rodents of unusual size, like, it's just another, like, little quirk of William Goldman that I think is just, that's so good. Like, he yes. could have made up some, like, fake scary name, like, these are the log bogs. They live in the swamp, the fire swamp. But yeah. instead, he's like, these are the rats of unusual size. And their whole thing is, they are rats and they are of unusual size. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how, like, I love that she first starts it off by calling them the R-O-U-S's, as uh-huh. if that's, like, the official term, really. And mm-hmm. then he's just like, no, 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 no. We need to really introduce rodents of unusual size. I don't think they <laughs> exist. Like, it's just... And then, bam, gets attacked by them. <laughs> Which is my favorite. My favorite transition in the movie, I think, is that. Is when yeah. all of a sudden he's just, like, knocked over. It's like, <laughs> I do genuinely laugh at that part. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know scary things aren't quite your thing, but I am a uh, hoe for horror, so this is... <laughs> That's going to be the episode title. <laughs> That's so good. This is, If this is a legacy I leave behind, so be it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I love... I also really love... This is just like the nerdy side of me, the nerdy filmmaker side of me. I love 80s special effects because... To me, they're a lot more realistic than, like, the CGI crap that we watch today. Oh, because, yes. Like, yes, 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 yes. Like, the handmade costumes, like, I think specifically of, like, Jurassic Park and, like, the dinosaurs that were all animatronic. Mm-hmm. Like, the R.O.U.S. is the fact that it's just, like, this costume that a, a man, like, a short man was in is beautiful to me. Like, I love yeah. that. I love that, like, movie-making magic and the fact, like, it is, you know, cheesy and goofy looking, but it is still very believable as, like, a little rodent creature. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I mean, I think about, like, the original Star Wars films and yes, all yeah. of the, like, alien species and how those were all people in costumes. Yeah. And I think, like, I wish those departments still got to do stuff like that. I wish there was uh, more of that um, type of work because... I find it so much more interesting than watching CGI. No offense to the people mm-hmm. who work so hard to create the CGI. Mm-hmm. I mean, kudos to you guys. I Your jobs are ridiculously difficult. Um, yeah. But I do miss practical um, effects. And, yeah. um, and especially with, like, what you said, like, the costumes and the fact that there's really a little person in that rat mm-hmm. costume is incredible. <laughs> it's, it's just, it, it adds, like, a little flavored to a movie that I think sometimes CGI can, like, take away that that little that little dash of like movie making magic yeah yeah so that's that's my most iconic um i have a few other options yeah please no list them off um my second option was fezzik and oh yeah this is like this isn't like a goofy option i just like really i really love andre's performance as fezzik i think it's like I think it's a very genuine performance for yeah. someone who, like, spent his life in the wrestling world. 
Um, it's impressive. It's really yeah. impressive. And like every single autobiography that I've read from like cast members and crew members who worked on Princess Bride, like they talk about how he was just like a genuinely good person. Yeah. And like his, you know, his portrayal of Fezzik was just like him being like kind and, you know, enthusiastic to play this role. And like, I read this little tidbit that apparently he would, um, call everybody on set boss because he didn't want people to like be intimidated by him so he would like use the word boss to like jokingly so that people would know that like he's he's not intimidating like he respects you and he sees you as like an authority figure even though he's this big big dude yeah and Um, that's so sweet it's so sweet it's so so sweet and like he just has so many lines that like make my heart warm like I think at one point he said, I think I wrote this down uh, for one of my favorite quotes, but he, when Wesley is fighting him and like, (laughs) just like ramming into his stomach and like nothing's happening because obviously Andre is more strong than him. Yeah. Um, he says something, he's like, are you just like toying with me? And Fezzik responds with like, I don't want you to die embarrassed or something like that. Yeah. He says, I wrote that one down too. He says, I hate for people to, I hate for people to die embarrassed. And yeah. it's so good. So cute. That's so sweet. Like, I don't know. He just warms my heart in in a, in a way that, like, I did not think uh, this giant man ever would. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I wrote him down, too, as an option. So I totally, I completely concur. Um, do you have any others for Most Iconic? Um, my last one is uh, The Chatty Duel, which is the official title I learned through my research of the fight between Inigo and Wesley. It's called the Chatty Duel. I love that. That's so Isn't funny. That amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my other uh, option because I think one it's such a well choreographed fight scene. Yes. Like, absolutely. Which also fun fact for those of you listening. So, um I, I I'm just going to recommend and I'll probably like uh, I'll probably be posting about it. Like read Carrie Elvis's book on the making of this movie. It, mm-hmm. the, the stories that he collected were are amazing and obviously because it's Wesley like he's in so much of the material he covers like everything that's in the movie basically mm-hmm. um and he talks about the training for the duel and how when they finally got it all down they did it so quickly it only timed out at like 30 seconds and they <laughs> worked on it for like two months yeah. And the director was like, cool, that was great. Um, I need, like, two more minutes of material. <laughs> and and in, like, two weeks, they had to learn two more minutes of material of fencing to do in this movie. Yeah. Um. So, like, and talk about... And they did it themselves, which is insane. Like, yeah. I think the only stunt that wasn't uh, Mandy Patinkin and Carrie Ewell's is uh, when uh, Mandy Patinkin, like, flips in the air and, like, lands behind... Um, behind Wesley. I think yeah. everything else was done completely by those two actors, which is like as an actor, an adult and an adult now, <laughs> that's like insane to me that they did that all by themselves. Oh yeah. They look like professionals with that sword fight. Yeah, absolutely. There's no there's no way I could have done that. <laughs> there's yeah. just oh, none no. <laughs> whatsoever. No. Um and they yeah, it's incredible. Um and read the book if you guys want like all of these stories. They're all they're so good. I remember yeah. like reading that book and I I'd, I'd never cherished anything so much. It was <laughs> incredible. Um uh yeah, I totally that fight is remarkable and comes at the perfect time in the movie when we need mm-hmm. something to like kind of spice it up a little bit. Yeah. 
and get it like uh get the wheels like just like tearing the pavement up basically uh-huh. and it, it does that brilliantly oh also the double fake out of the i'm not actually left-handed yes yes oh, yes yes i love it <laughs> it's so um, good and i was reading that apparently and i I, I noticed this the second time I was watching it, but apparently you can tell that um, Inigo isn't left-handed because he keeps his uh, sword holder on his left hip, which means that he's yeah. right-handed. Yeah. But Carrie Ulsk, Wesley, he has his sword holder on his right hip and he uses his left hand like in a dominant way every single time he's doing something up to the reveal that he's left-handed, that he's not left-handed. Interesting. So, like, he takes his shoe off with his left hand and, like, he, he like, uses his left hand in, like, other dominant ways to, like, show an ego that he is Yeah, so is he does, like, a true fake-out. He does a true fake-out, but it's, like, the, one of those, like, tiny, tiny details that, like, I, didn't, I never noticed that until I read about it because why, who would notice that except <laughs> Carrie Ulls? That's so cool. That's yeah. really good. That's a nice detail. Um, for some of my most iconic, so I wrote the dialogue, um, because this is next to like Mean Girls. I feel like this is one of the most quotable movies ever. I agree. Uh, and it's just one of those things you say one of the lines from this movie, people know the movie you're talking about. Yes. And they can like envision the character. They can, they know the situation, like everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I also wrote, I feel like there's never been a movie that is so cheesy in such a successful way. (laughs) Yes. That is so... That is um, just so heartwarming and uh, and comforting, just like mm-hmm. a nice warm blanket, you know, it, yeah. it's or like your favorite teddy bear. Like it yeah. just has that kind of like emotional response to it. But it's also exciting and yes. engaging as well, which is like, I don't think a lot of movies can manage to, you know, be comforting and warm while also being exciting and adventurous. Yeah, definitely. It it like somehow melds the two so well together and rides mm-hmm. that line all the way throughout the movie. And yeah. yeah, so good. Um I also yeah. wrote down a couple of character mentions. I wrote down I also I also mentioned Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned Inigo Montoya just like oh, as a yes. concept all yes. like his lines, his hello, my name is, like, that that mm-hmm. whole quote. Like, everything about his character I just find so iconic and it, ugh, just amazing. He's so good <laughs> in this. He's um, so good. I also wrote down, as you wish, mm-hmm. just, like, that that quote alone. Like, there's so many in this movie, but that was the one for, in terms of iconic, I feel like is the yeah. thing. Because yeah. I feel like people probably use it in their in their vows and oh and like oh, that's yeah that's <laughs> I didn't think about that yeah like it something I also listed the clergyman for that reason I was like if there if there's something that people use in their wedding that's from this mm-hmm. movie that has to be most iconic yeah and how many weddings are there that people do the whole marriage <laughs> marriage is what brings us together like so many people use that in their ceremonies yeah. I'm gonna make a prediction now which. I mean, if my dad listens to this podcast, it's probably just giving him fuel for this fire. But I have <laughs> absolutely no doubt in my mind that when I get married, my dad's going to quote that specific part of the movie during the ceremony, <laughs> yes. during his speech. I, I'm i predicting it now. I know my mom's definitely going to listen to this podcast. So this is this is audible proof that I'm putting money down on this now. I bet $10 that's going to happen. <laughs> Who's the money going to if you lose? Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> you have to make the bet with your dad. 
and or or maybe your mom <laughs> i'll make it with my mom yeah, yeah that sounds good <laughs> although she'll probably be on my side she'll probably agree <laughs> yeah probably um but yeah i just love the clergyman in this just like steals the it's show so good yeah i also wrote down the ancient booer as well yes yeah, for most <laughs> iconic. the way she says it it's just like ooh, the, the venom so good <laughs> And then the last thing I wrote, I mentioned this earlier, was just like, this is, I feel like this is the classic movie for all age groups mm-hmm. and the the most family friendly movie yeah. like, ever. Um, so yeah, those are my most iconic. Yeah. Um, I would agree with all of those. Yeah. <laughs> should we, should we move into best dressed? Yes. I mean, I think this is, this is easy. Well, I wrote down, so I wrote down three options because oh, okay. all right. I, while I'm watching the movie, I was making notes on like these three mm-hmm. people, the ones I kept writing notes on. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I got to shout them out. So obviously Buttercup. Obviously Buttercup. Her dress, every single time she comes on screen in like a new velvet dress, I scream. Yeah, exactly. It's and beautiful. Yeah. And she carries them so well, like for a first yes. film role to be playing a princess. Yes. And oh, totally, uh, totally unknown actress. She knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I feel like nowadays you never see that. Like you only see stars and celebrities in these kind of roles. And mm-hmm. because of their celebrity, because of their stardom, they pull it off really well. But for an unknown girl to look like a fucking princess, like nobody's yeah. business in those scenes, in those outfits is amazing yeah really Uh, impressive i also wrote the prince prince humperdinck because i wrote humperdinck as well yes awesome because i love (laughs) specifically that purple velvet that he wears when he's trying to track her down my mind yes Yes. (laughs) when you first when you're first introduced to his character you like it starts up on his feet like shuffling around in the dirt yes and then it pans up to him and he does this little twirl and his like skirt (laughs) poofs out <laughs> I was like, sir, who gave you the right to serve looks like in this movie? Literally, yeah. It's like he oh my god, I love it. I love that costume so much. I forgot about the skirt thing. Yeah. And it's like got like foof foofy stuff on the bottom, so it's like it's like weighted perfectly. Yes. So that it just twirls perfectly and it like it just it's a princess moment. Yes, and like, I love the, the- the fur embellishments, the the trim yes. on it too. Oh. Yeah, that's what I meant by the foofy. Yeah, <laughs> the the technical term for fur. <laughs> so, I love the foof. The foof. I just forgot the word for fur. Apparently, you're you're good. Oh, that's that is. Once we get an hour into the podcast, all all speech uh flies out the window <laughs> disappears yes sure okay amazing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i oh god i love that costume and then the last one option i wrote was wesley because okay, that black that. pirate costume from like the mm-hmm. bandana to the mask to the mm-hmm. open shirt to the, the pants the v-neck <laughs> with the little drawstrings and oh and the huge like thick pirate boots is uh-huh. I feel like if anybody dressed up as that for Halloween, you'd be like, oh, you're Wesley. Yeah. You're the man in black. Like, it's... It yeah. also, what I find remarkable about it is, considering, uh, like, Zorro, mm-hmm. I feel like... The, I feel like their costumes are so similar, but I feel like, for me, man in black is way more iconic than Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Zorro has that, like, cape or something like that, Yeah, right? he wears, like, a hat and a cape. Yeah. He's got, like, all like... of it going on. Yeah, I think that complicates the look a little bit, and I like how they, with Wesley, they 
they let it be simple. He even has a ponytail. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I wrote like five times in my notes about his ponytail. Yeah. <laughs> his little mustache. Oh, the um, mustache. Classic. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would agree with that. I think that the man in black look is, it's, it's great. Yes. Oh, yay. Uh, but I think overall we're probably, we're giving it to Buttercup. Or should we I give think, it to the foof? <laughs> I think I think Humperdinck deserves this. Humperdinck. Humperdinck <laughs> wins. He wins finally. He wins something. He wins best dressed. I think he'd be happy with winning best dressed. I'm oh, yeah. To be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think so, too. He'd probably be like, well, it's my consolation prize. He'd be like, finally, someone notices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, should we move on to best quote? Oh, gosh. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Great. Okay. Okay. So now we are finally at best quote. And this is, like I said with the birdcage episode, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is gonna take a while because <laughs> this is so many. There's so many. Like this entire movie is best quote. So I'd like to submit the entire script for best quote. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, William Goldman. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, I almost debated whether we would even do this category because there were so many. I was like, mm-hmm. is that even, like, is this going to be ridiculous just reading quotes for 30 <laughs> minutes? But I was like, it's my fucking podcast. I can do whatever I want, which and means. you know what? Hell yeah. Yeah. So um, our plan is we're going to pass off one after the other. Do you want me to go ahead and kick us off with the first quote? Yeah, go ahead. Sweet. So the first thing that stood out to me was the grandpa when he's introducing reading the book. And he says, when I was your age, TV, television was called books. <laughs> and I was like, that is such a grandpa thing to say. It's such a grandpa thing to say. Also, I think my grandpa said that to me. Oh my God, I love that. Also, like, television was not books. It was the radio. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was radio shows back in the day. But I, yeah. I just, yeah, that line gets me every time. <laughs> I, I ha- don't actually have this written on my list, but you just made me think about it when you mentioned the grandpa. He says, <laughs> at one point when he's introducing the book, he says, your vote of confidence is overwhelming. That was my very next one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. I, I love that line when he's like, oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. Your vote of confidence is overwhelming. Like, <laughs> I think it's one of the one one of the quotes that I quote like in my daily life oh, yes. without realizing it. And like people don't realize what I'm quoting, what realize what I'm quoting when I say it, but it's it's just like the dryness, the oh, it's so good. It's, it's so just good. So good. Yeah, I feel that I make so many quotes during the day that people don't get. I remember once I thought everybody knew the "boo you whore" from Bean Girls, uh-huh. and I texted it to a friend once because they like weren't coming to something, and I uh-huh. just texted that, and they were like, "What the fuck, bitch." <laughs> I was like, no, it's a Mean Girls quote. I was joking. (laughs) And I had to send them a meme of it so that they knew. And they were like, oh, I haven't watched that movie in a while. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I almost ended our friendship over over Boo You Whore. quote. Dang. (laughs) They need to get educated. I know. I was like, the drama. Jeez. Um... Then my my very next one is, of course, As You Wish. Because, Mm. mm, Mm -hmm. duh. Yeah. Classic. (laughs) It's classic. Oh, yeah. Um... My, this is arguably one of my favorite quotes. Not arguably. This is my favorite quote in the entire movie. Ooh, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm laughing because it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's when uh, Vizzini goes, no more rhymes now. I mean it. And then Fezzik goes, anybody want a peanut? (laughs) It's, it's funny because it's just good. It's just (laughs) just so funny and out of nowhere. 
That's so good. <laughs> it's it's not clever. It's not like iconic. It's just stupid, and that's yeah. why I like it. <laughs> and I like that like that's perfect to get back at Vizzini for his horrible mean comments. Like mm-hmm. it's the perfect comeback. It yeah, it truly truly is. Yeah. It it serves its purpose very well. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason why I love Fezzik. Yeah, oh Fezzik. Andre the Giant. <laughs> um then my my next one I wrote was uh when Wesley is gonna be departing and mm-hmm. Buttercup says to him, like, I fear I'll never see you again and he goes, This is true love. You think this happens every day? Oh, yes. And oh god, man. Now that I actually have true love, I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh god damn, that hits that hits yeah. hard now. <laughs> yeah. So I have a plant. Oh! <laughs> you have true love. I have a plant. <laughs> hey, I have a plant too. <laughs> and plants are, are a perfectly good true love. Uh, Poppy is very happy with me. I adore her. So, yeah. She'll be making an appearance on the Instagram soon. My um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. A star. Oh yeah. A star is born and Poppy the orchid. Uh, because I love ironic flower names. <laughs> Do you have a name for your flower, for your plant? I have two. Um, I have uh, Patricia and Petunia. I, oh my God, I yes. love those names. I think my next one is, which is skipping ahead a little bit. So we can, we can go back, but this is another one of my like favorite favorites of all time is when Wesley says, you seem like, or sorry, uh, when Inigo says, you seem like a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. And Wesley says, you seem like a decent fellow. I hate to die. Yes. It's the rapport between them is so good. Cause mm-hmm. you, again, like what, kind of what we were talking about earlier with Inigo and Fezzik, the, the mutual respect for each other is incredible. Like yeah. I, I tried my hardest not to write too many quotes from that scene. Cause the whole scene I think is golden. Like it's mm-hmm. funny that it's called the chatty duel. I think their dialogue from the second that, Inigo is leaning over the edge to check in on Wesley to the time, to the end of the whole scene is, uh-huh. is some of the best dialogue in the whole yeah. movie. It's, it's great. Um, and I think it sets up the, the duel really well too, because that's like right before they start fighting. And like, I feel like that exchange, you're like, so this is a very much a back and forth kind of thing. And then the fight sequence and the choreography of the fight sequence is very similar. It's very back and forth. Like nobody's ever like overpowering the other at one point it's like very much like a i'm a pow- i'm overpowering you and now he is and now i am and now he is and now i am and now he is yeah until the very end you really don't know who's gonna win yeah, yeah exactly you get the impression of like there's genuine danger in it and like they're they're really going toe-to-toe mm-hmm. as equals and it's so exciting yeah um yeah. just so good oh this so this one this is one of the kid lines sometimes i love what the kid the little kids interjections and I love when he's mad about the kissing book thing, and then, <laughs> and then his grandpa says that he was killed by the Dread Pirate Roberts, and the kid uh-huh. goes, "Murdered by pirates is good." <laughs> I, and when I was watching it, I was like, "I feel like Lauren's gonna like that line a yes. lot." <laughs> that is like that was like me as a little kid. I would have that that would have been the thing that would have caught my eye. I would have been like, "Ooh, okay, cool." <laughs> and to this day, that is still who I am as a person. <laughs> Uh, what's your next one? I mean, this one's kind of self-explanatory. We've talked about it a few times, but the inconceivable. And then Anigo saying, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that one's just really good. And then right after that, I have the, del- I wrote the delivery of I hate waiting. Gets yes. me every time. <laughs> every time. Yeah. yeah that's so definitely good. on my list. So good. Um, what do I have next? Oh, um, 
one of Vizzini's lines when we're first introduced to him after they've taken the princess. And he goes, I've hired you to help me start a war. It's a prestigious line of work with a long and glorious tradition. (laughs) (laughs) And I just love how calm he is about that. Yeah. This is this is important. Yeah. It says a lot about his character, which is beautiful absolutely i also have one of his insults that he says to vicini of you hippopotamic landmass." <laughs> <laughs> and besides like wallace sean's delivery of that line to be mm-hmm. able to say hippopotamic as quickly as he says that mm-hmm. is is a feat like that is yeah very impressive. difficult very impressive very impressive yeah um i also love the moment where Buttercup jumps off the side of the boat mm-hmm. and Vizzini like tells him to go yes. after her. Yeah. <laughs> and he turns to Fezzik and Fezzik's like, I only dog paddle. Yes. <laughs> like does this little motion with the his hand. hand gesture. Because his huge hands. And he's just yeah. like uh, uh, uh. <laughs> He looks like a little chihuahua, like trying to <laughs> swim over water. Yes. Like hold chihuahuas over water. <laughs> It's just, it's it's so beautiful. Cute. It's so cute. I was like, if that was like his thing, if he did that with no direction, like he deserved the the Academy Award. Like that, uh-huh. <laughs> that gets me every time. I agree. Oh man. I also have a couple more Vicini's insults when he's like, friendless, brainless, helpless, hopeless. And every time <laughs> I get to that line, all I think about is just like me as a little kid just being like, one, a snotty nose bra- uh, brat, and then two, just, like, bullying relentlessly. And I was like, oh, that that was little Lauren. <laughs> oh, no. And every time that line happens, I'm always just like, poor Fezzik. That hurt. Oh. <laughs> so good. And as well as when he's like, do you want to go back where I found you? Unemployed in Greenland. In Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> like, Greenland. Just specifically that country of all yeah. the countries. What was the and last the way time? he says it, too. Greenland yeah. like <laughs> the, the, we should have included Greenland in most iconic because I don't think Greenland's ever had this much attention in the that's movie. true that's very true <laughs> I don't think Greenland's ever been in a movie here I don't I don't think so yeah oh man that's such a good line also um, the way he delivers the cliffs of insanity yes I have that written down just the way he delivers it like just <laughs> specifically I, I cannot do it justice the way that Wallace does but nobody can do it justice the way nobody he can, can do it it's just it's Wallace Shawn what it, like <laughs> look at who we're talking about oh, God. he kind of like screams it and it's just oh it's so good he sounds insane when he screams he it. does <laughs> he does but it's the only way you can really deliver the line cliffs of insanity yeah you can't say cliffs of insanity without sounding a little insane <laughs> That's like that's exactly. that's all that's all there is to it. <laughs> um what what other oh, was that your next one or do you have another one? Um I think my next one is this is I mean self-explanatory. It's the hello my name is Anigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. Mm-hmm. I mean you it's it's the it's next to like inconceivable and as you wish. I think it's what I think this actually movie's known for. Usually with best quote, I don't have my guests like pick just one because there's so many in these movies. Mm-hmm. But that definitely for me, that's my personal favorite. Is sure that whole quote. Yeah, because it is because that whole scene, the fact that that is like 50 percent of the dialogue in that one scene Mm -hmm. and he introduces it earlier in the movie. And when he says it, you're just like, wow, okay, like this dude is like ready to go. But then when you get to the scene and he's saying it, you are like cheering for him. You're just like, oh, my God, you need him to win. Otherwise, like, what's the fucking point Mm -hmm. of life? Like, yeah, I also really love I love when screenwriters 
do a lot with very little. Mm -hmm. And I think the final duel between Rugen and Inigo is a really good example of that because it's exactly what you said. Like, Inigo isn't saying anything else other than, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die. And it's just, like, heightening and, like, growing on the other, like, the last few lines. And, like, Rugen has, like, a few, like, responses to it, but, like, Inigo doesn't acknowledge them. He just keeps repeating that line. And it's, like, you... he William Goldman very well could have, like, written some, like, long, dramatic monologue for Inigo there. Like, yeah. something like... He could have, yeah. You killed my father, da-da-da-da-da-da, and, like, made it, you know, cheap into the moment. But he didn't, because that one line, my name is Inigo Montoya, you killed my father, prepare to die, says everything that you need to know. Yeah, exactly. And I love it. I love it. It's so juicy. It's so good. Yeah. And it's and it's eternal. I feel like that line is... I feel like other screenwriters, or even, like, playwrights, anybody who's a writer, aspires to be that concise with mm -hmm. every every emotion, every thought, like, just packed into one little package. Yeah. And what a wallop, you know? Yeah. Oh, so good. Wallop. That's, yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good word for it. Punches uh, you right in the gut. Exactly, yeah. And you're, like, hanging on every word. You, like, know he's going to mm -hmm. keep saying it, and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next one I have... I, some of the lines that Buttercup delivers are just, like, amazing. You just see the strength behind yeah, her. Yeah, unexpectedly. Yeah, and I love when she's pulled out of the water and they're tying her hands and, and Vicini's like, you you must think you're brave, don't you? And she goes, only compared to some. Ooh, and yes. And I love, like, how she acknowledges, like, just, I just, I don't, how do I explain just why it's good? It's just like the the gravitas of the way mm -hmm. she says that. It's so simple, but I mm -hmm. literally wrote the line and then I just wrote in all caps, boss ass bitch. Like <laughs> you, you're saying that to the guy who's kidnapping you, who's like going to kill you. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that's where this is going. Yeah. And you say that back as a retort. And he even looks like he gets this look on his face of like genuine respect for her. Yeah. I, Buttercup's character is so fascinating to me, and I'll save my thoughts for spicy hot takes because Sweet. I have some spicy hot takes on her character. Amazing. Oh my god, I'm um, so, I'm looking forward to it. But that was like one of the main things that I noticed while rewatching this movie was like how simple some of her lines were, but how much they hit, how much they pack a punch. Like, she never says anything casually. Yeah, like, no, Absolutely. All her lines, like, have something behind them, which is just, you know, one, a testament to William Goldman's writing and, like, two, a testament to Rob Robin Wright being Robin Wright and amazing. Yeah, that she can <laughs> she can get something out of every word. Like, she mm -hmm. she milks it for all it's worth, and it's yeah. incredible. Um, what's your next one? Um, we mentioned this one earlier, but I have to shout it out again because of my main man, Fezzik, who I adore. <laughs> um the I just want you to feel like you're doing well. I'd hate for you to die embarrassed. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. It's so good. Because <laughs> he's Again. just so supportive. Yeah. Just yeah, such a team exactly. player. Just wants to be friends with people, make them feel happy and like they're doing well, which yeah. I can get behind. Yeah. I even love like even before that scene when he's like, oh, my way. Great. 
which one's my way? And like the, yes, the I, I was considering under, talking about that one. Yeah. yeah, and when and when like Vicini explained it, he's like, my way's not very sportsmanlike, and he sounds <laughs> so sad. Oh, and I love that he chooses like not to go through with it, and he's like, mm-hmm. I could have if I wanted to, but I didn't, mm-hmm. and it's so good. He's so sweet. You're just like, aw. He's I like. Just- the epitome of a, a the he is like the the poster child for like teddy bear people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's such a big guy too that like he's so gentle with his lines and like his words. It just mm. yeah, I adore him. I adore yeah. him. <laughs> um, what? Uh, your turn. My turn. Oh God, I lost track. I think it's your turn. Okay. Um, I also wrote one of Vicini's lines when um, uh, they're waiting for the man in black to come up and uh. And Inigo says he's going to fight him with his left hand. And he's like, Vicini goes, you know what a hurry we're in. (laughs) I love Mm -hmm. that. It's so, I love, I just, again, like you can tell they worked for each other for a while Mm -hmm. and I love their dynamic. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I really want like a prequel story to like (gasps) all the cons they pulled off together because, you know, Vizzini, like Humperdinck wouldn't have gone to Vizzini if he didn't have a reputation as someone who could start wars, who could, you know, connive and, like, manipulate things uh, towards royal people's favor. Yeah. And, like, obviously he had to have a bunch of successful jobs prior to that, and clearly Fezzik and Inigo have been working for him for a while, and I just, like, want to see those jobs go off together. Like, I want to see the successful cons that they pulled and the (laughs) mischief they all got into yeah i support this fan fiction wholeheartedly like that's that sounds amazing oh my god somebody write that please um that that's really good actually oh my god yeah um now oh your turn um so one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the iocane scene as i mentioned oh yes absolutely and one of the things that i love about it is how vizzini like is stalling and like trying to prove his intellect and like Wesley's just kind of like sitting back and you know making these like little offhanded quips mm-hmm. and at one point Wesley goes you have a truly dizzy dizzy intellect and it's like <laughs> it's like a very subtle jab oh that's yeah like it's it's only like it's it's not funny or anything but it's just like very like wry and like yeah, you're just like knocks him down a little. Yeah, and that's when you—that's probably one of the first times you're on like the man in black side, uh-huh. where you're just like, oh yeah, like crush this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, my uh, oh, I love this one. <laughs> this one was just kind of like topical for me when mm-hmm. um Fezzik says to Inigo like to to be careful, people in masks cannot be trusted, and I was like, <laughs> is that what Trump supporters say to themselves every night? <laughs> When they go to Probably. sleep and just don't wear their masks. Is that what Probably. they tell themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's another line about masks later because Fezzik asks oh, yeah. him about his mask. I have that written down when yeah. he, he and um and uh the man in black goes, they're terribly comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. And I'm like, <laughs> And we are. <laughs> yes, and we are. Um, which oh, everybody the robber masks it's the yeah, face it's masks. Face but masks. Still. But um yeah, PSA everybody, wear your <laughs> fucking masks. Um, do it. Yeah. Do, do it, it. The man in black will come for you. Yeah. Seriously. It's like, do it. Do it for Wesley. <laughs> do it for Wesley. Yeah. He'd be disappointed in you if you didn't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, what's your next one? Um, my next one is uh, when Wesley says to Buttercup, life is pain, highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. Yeah. 
Uh, That's just a good one. It's really good. Like, some of of the lines, I kind of like, you can tell that Wesley went out into the world and, like, Mm -hmm. lived some hard days. Yeah. Because some of his lines about, like, get used to disappointment. Oh, yeah, that one, too. And life is pain. Like, all of those things, I'm like, he really knows, like, what agony is i mean Mm -hmm. he literally got killed and then brought back to life like he knows Mm -hmm. some shit (laughs) like he's seen some shit and it's interesting too because in the book that line that line's pulled straight from the book and that line is said by fezzik's mom to fezzik interesting yeah because like the way the book is structured every single character gets like a little like backstory oh cool for like a few pages and in Fezzik's backstory, you learn, like, all about his mom and, like, his career, like, as a giant. Um, and, like, I remember reading that line and being like, oh, damn. <laughs> and highlighting it and then, like, watching the movie after I finished watching the book. And I was like, wait, that's pulled directly from the book. Even though it's too, in a different character's coming from a different character. But still, it's yeah. so good. William Goldman had to keep it. Oh, yeah. It's it's brilliant. Um, and I'm glad that they included it back in the movie. I think that's great. Me too. Um, uh, I think it's your turn? I just I just went. I just oh. said life is pain. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, one of mine that I have is uh, when, <laughs> when Inigo asked the man in black, you know, if he has six fingers on his right hand. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the man in black just goes, do you always begin conversations this way? <laughs> yes, very I think, good. I think that's so good. And I have a few lines from that scene. Like, after um, after Anigo explains what happened to his father, and he explains then, like, uh, more pursuing than, than training lately. It has been 20 years now. I'm starting to lose confidence. <laughs> and he also says, yes. um, and I love his comment, too, there's not a lot of money in revenge. <laughs> That's also really good. Yeah. I love all of those uh, little, like, again, like I said, that whole sequence is, like, the dialogue is supreme. But this is why mm-hmm. I considered Inigo my, like, top class clown. Because yeah. it seems like this where his dry humor and the way he's just like, you see how hard his life has been. And he's just <laughs> trying to avenge his father, goddammit. Uh-huh. And it's so good. It, like, makes me laugh, even though the tragedy of it is so extreme. You're also just like, man, this dude just needs a win. <laughs> <laughs> a win and a hug. Yes, a win and a hug. <laughs> yeah. What's your next one? Um, this one isn't isn't like that good of a quote, but I thought it was interesting uh, for a reason that I will talk about in a second. Um, the quote is, death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. Yeah. And I wrote it down just because I was like, that's such a, I've never noticed it before. And it's such a big foreshadow to Wesley dying later, but coming back from the dead because mm-hmm. of true love. Mm-hmm. So I just liked that. I thought that was clever. It's funny because I wrote that line down too. And all I wrote, I wrote like the death cannot stop true love. And then I just wrote impractical. Because I, <laughs> I was like in the real world. <laughs> but uh, but I do, I like what you have to say though about like the foreshadowing too. Because I'm just like, oh yeah, true. Like she, uh, yeah, she should have held out hope even though like the marriage happens. Like sure. But it's just like, mm-hmm. well, Wesley will come for you. He's already proven that girl. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and his face too. He's just like, "Hello, I told you." <laughs> so good. Um, I oh my god, what's oh sh- shoot, what's my next one? Um, ba 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 ba. Um, I I of course I had to write down like get used to disappointment, and then specifically mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically, and he goes, "Okay, 
Like, after, <laughs> just how he's like, all right. Like, it's, the way he does it is so good. Again, like, the, it's those, it's that dry humor that kills me in the movie mm-hmm. where I'm cackling. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also, oh, and after, um, uh, after the man in black, Wesley, knocks out Fezzik, and he's mm-hmm. telling him, like, I do not envy the headache you will have when you w- awake, <laughs> but I hope you rest well and dream of large women. <laughs> It's just so specific. I was just like, wait, what? (laughs) Always makes me laugh because it's just so out of left field. I mean, I feel like a lot of what Wesley says, you're like, okay, didn't see that coming. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, One of them that I have written down. Well, we kind of talked about this one before, but the rodents of an unusual size moment is beautiful (laughs) when he gets attacked, when he says, Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. And then gets, like, sideswiped Just by Just pummeled. Rodent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the one that I have written right after that, which is another, like, very classic Wesley moment, is when Humperdinck comes up on the horse out, out of the fire swamp and says, surrender. And then he says, oh, yes. you mean you wish to surrender to me? Very well. I accept. Yes. It's so good. Oh, <laughs> I love that classic wesley oh yeah and his like and it just it almost like it just makes him even sexier that he's like uh-huh. so witty and so confident you're just like yeah i could watch you and listen to you talk all day and i just be like <laughs> okay um yeah so good um i also wrote down vicini his last line of never go in against a sicilian when death is on the line <laughs> and the maniacal laughter uh-huh. like it's the laughter really that gets me it's like <laughs> The laughter quote. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, it, Vicini's last line gets me every time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. <laughs> I mean, any anything that comes out of Vicini's lips is probably gold. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, the, <laughs> the next one that I've written down, which is, like, mostly in the delivery of it that, it, that makes it so funny, but when the albino goes down into the pit of despair and oh, Wesley's yes. like, where am I? <laughs> and he goes... <laughs> A bit of despair. Don't even think. <clears throat> Don't even think about trying to escape. <laughs> it's, just... <laughs> it's like this normal voice. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it's so. That is like. That's. I think that is the mantra for the movie. Is mm-hmm. like, we're going to make you think this is like scary and serious. And then actually, uh-huh. it's all just one big joke. It's yes. All, it's all yeah. just. It's all for the, literally, one of my guests, this is going to be the new, like, catchphrase for this show. This is going to be the new motto for the show. One of my uh-huh. guests on the sleepover episode, Ren- my guest on the sleepover episode, Renee, said, uh, as a quote about a sleepover, she said, it's all for the sake of the goof. <laughs> and yes. I can apply that th- to this movie as yeah. well. It is all for the sake of the goof. <laughs> just, just making goofs left and right. And it's like the kind of thing where I'm like, did William Goldman write that into the script or did the actor like look at this line and was like, how can I introduce my character in like the funniest way? And like he came up with the whole like clearing his throat thing. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm assuming, I feel like probably the actor did that. The way that it's so seamless. Uh huh. I want to give, I think his name was Mel Smith. I want to give him kudos for, yeah, Mel Smith. I want to give him kudos. Yeah. Um, oh, so good. Um, then what else? Oh, I have a random Humperdinck line that I just oh. like his delivery of it, where mm-hmm. he's talking about, like, if they, if, like, Gilder has killed my beloved, like, I shall be very put out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just like a little hint of just, like, what a dick he is. Just mm-hmm. like, that's how mm-hmm. you're going to phrase your betrothed getting yeah. killed. Like, you fucking. 
piece but of shit. But it's so on brand, too. So for him. on brand, which is why I like it, because I'm just yeah. like, yeah, that's that's a Humperdinck line. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next one I have written is, I mean, a, a classic Princess Bride quote, the bow, yeah. bow, <laughs> bow, and then the, so bow down to her if you want, bow down to her, bow to the queen of slime, the queen of filth, the queen of putrescence. <laughs> putrescence, who, like, how do you fit that into a movie? Like, <laughs> That's like the quote that I literally... I quote all the time with my uh, old roommate and best friend, Emily Harkins, who Aww. also adores this movie. Yeah. That's the line that we quote to each other all the time. Really? <laughs> yes. That is so specific. Yes. I know. I know. I don't know what it is about that line in particular, but I just love the fact that she chose the word putrescence. <laughs> I mean, queen. Yeah. Seriously. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, oh my god, that's such a good line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, well, speaking of Buttercup, my next line is one of hers, um, where I just, again, I love the delivery of this line, when she's describing Wesley, and she says, with eyes like the sea after a storm. Mm. And the way she says mm-hmm. it, and you see it in her facial expression, the the agony she's been yeah. in since she got news that he had died, is so good. And mm-hmm. it... Ugh. And it's just one of those moments where you're like, God damn, they are really, like, they are true love. Mm-hmm. And I live for those moments in movies where you believe the couple wholeheartedly. I kind of talked about it with my boyfriend on the on the Adams Family episode when we talk mm-hmm. about Gomez and Morticia and just, like, talk about couple goals. Like, talk about devotion and passion. And yeah. God, I love that line. The way she delivers it is just... <laughs> fucking queen like oh my god yeah i also think it's interesting too because i feel like the phrase eyes like the sea after a storm is like fairly it's used fairly often nowadays yeah yeah and like i i'm pretty positive this is the first time that phrase was like used in movies or like television and it's like became popular after that because i was reading a fact that said that that line was based off of a painting Oh. And the painting was called, like, the eyes, you see, the eyes of your, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> I told you. And after we get to past an hour, all, all thought and thinking goes out the window. It's gone. Goodbye. <laughs> um, you know what? I don't know if it's safe to say there was any thought in my head beforehand, but <laughs> there's definitely nothing there now. <laughs> but that's but that's so cool that it was based on a painting. I love that. Yeah, it was based on a painting, and now it's become this like phrase that I hear people use all the time. Uh, usually, it's like in a joking manner when people are trying to be dramatic. Um, but I don't know. It's it's cool to like see the where a line originated yeah and Um, to see and then to think about like how far it's come like mm -hmm. it being in so many now other like pop culture references Mm -hmm. to see it in this way to be used so seriously like so genuinely is so refreshing yeah yeah i agree so good um what's your next one um oh Is Humperdinck being sassy? Um, ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's when him and Rugen are interacting and he says, you know, I love watching you work, but I've got my country's 50th, 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilder to frame for it. I'm swamped. <laughs> I have that one written down too. <laughs> I mean, he says it so casually and it's just, I mean, 
And then, I, and then again, like Christopher Guest, uh, his lead up after that of like, get some rest. If you haven't got yeah. your health, you haven't got anything. <laughs> yes. And again, it's just like the relationship between the two of them is like, which we'll get to. I can't wait to talk yes. about that. Oh my God. Me too. Yes. I brought up that quote specifically because I'm using it for evidence later for yes. my theory. <laughs> I'm so, I'm pumped. <laughs> But yeah, those that that whole arrangement is amazing. That mm-hmm. that tit for tat uh, wit is perfect. Ugh. Yes, agreed. Um, my next one I have is oh the classic uh, when Wesley's describing like what happened to him in the past, and he's describing the Dread Pirate Roberts quote of "I'll most likely kill you in the morning." Just, oh, good. Yes, that's very good. It's so simple, but it's such a good line. Like it conveys <laughs> like, can you imagine working mm-hmm. for a terrifying pirate and just every night that's what he says? It's like. <laughs> horrifying like that is that's a lot to take in to deal with for like two years he said that I think is what he says and I feel like it also like even though you don't meet like the original Dread Pirates Dread Pirate Roberts or the you know the one that preceded Wesley at the very least I feel like it paints a very clear picture of who this man was oh absolutely yeah which I like a lot because it's a character you never meet but, like, you know exactly who the Dread Pirate Roberts is, and you know exactly the kind of Dread Pirate Roberts Wesley is, which is a different kind of Dread Pirate Roberts than the first, but still, you know, linked by this, like, shared empathy. Yeah, exactly. The under- the, underdog. Yeah, the same kind of, like, respect. I mean, I think about, I can't, I wish we had, like, some kind of, like, visual of what Wesley was like. I, I have, a, like, thoughts on that of just, like, what must he have he been like as Dread Pirate Roberts? Because, like, yeah, I have thoughts of, like, did he kill people? Like, how did he, like, uh, marauder on the on the mm-hmm. seas? Like, what, like, how did that yeah. work? Because he's so noble in this. I'm like, did he just kill people because he's supposed to as, like, the pirate? <laughs> like, how does that work? Um, I don't know. Yeah, so I'm I'm fascinated. I wish we had, like, more backstory as to, like, how that relationship worked. Yeah, we got to include that in the prequel fan fiction. Yes, yeah, somebody write this. Go, get to it. Um, we need it. Uh, there's probably one out there. Uh, yeah. Oh, I have no doubt. Oh, yeah. I bet if we scoured the internet well enough, we could find it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of some of the other fan fiction we might find about this movie. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, what's your next one? <clears throat> um, the next one that I have written down is... I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! Yes! <laughs> Which I just love. <laughs> I love that one. It's so good. Yeah. And her delivery of it is, like, oh, perfect. Her entrance <laughs> is just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you just, you can't beat Carol Kane being Carol Kane. Yeah, exactly. Um, my next one is one of the grandpa lines where um, the kid is upset about um, uh, Humperdinck supposedly marrying our... What is this? Wait, let me double check. Um... Oh, yes, that um, the king had died and that they had gone married in a rush. Uh-huh. And uh, the kid is complaining about, like, that's not fair, you know? And the mm-hmm. grandpa just goes, well, who says life is fair? Where is that written? <laughs> and yeah. I love, he's reading from this book, and he's like, who says life is fair? Like, where, <laughs> what? And I, that was, like, my mom's catchphrase when I was a kid was, life isn't mm-hmm. fair, which, I love you, mom, but that was not a nice catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not the best thing. And, <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, it's true. Duh. Life isn't mm-hmm. fair. Clearly, 2020 has taught that more than anything. Uh-huh. But also just, like, don't say that to your five-year-old. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love you, mom. 
It is very much a grandpa line, though. Oh, like, absolutely. I, I feel like my grandpa said that to me at some point in my life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what's your next one? This is another classic. Uh, have fun storming the castle. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure it was ad-libbed. Cause, like, oh, I think I it is. Yeah, I don't think it was written in the script. I'm pretty sure Billy Crystal just kind of, like, ran with it because mm-hmm. he's Billy Crystal. Um but I'm pretty sure that line was uh, was was all him. I don't know how uh, Carrie Elwes w- lied on that table without breaking character. Me neither. Like I, it's so impressive. So <laughs> impressive. I say that actually too about the um, the wedding scene. The fact I was uh-huh. trying, I was staring at the extras this time to see if anybody laughs at the at the clergyman's speech, and nobody does. Uh-huh. And I was like, y'all are really impressive. I break character instantly <laughs> when I find something funny. I cannot... Yeah. I break character when I find myself funny. That's how bad <laughs> I am at staying in character when I laugh and mm-hmm. when I find something funny. And I don't know how any of them do it in this movie. And Well, okay, so actually, fun fact. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Mandy Patinkin, the only inter- injury he sustained during filming of the movie was a bruised rib from oh my holding God. back laughter during the Billy Crystal scene. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, a bruised, a bruised rib. rib from it. Yeah, and That's... also Rob Reiner had to um be like leave the set during Billy Crystal's scenes as well because he would laugh so hard that he felt nauseated. Yeah. So... <laughs> Perfect. I love it so much. You know, I there's I want to see all the takes out there, like the thousands of like discarded takes out there that oh were just God. like Billy Crystal being funny. I that I... we don't get. I forgot to look that up if there are any bloopers online for this movie, if there are, are any in existence. Oh, we, it's going to be the first thing I do after, yeah, after this podcast is over. <laughs> me too. Like, they need to release... Honestly, they should just release a master cut of, like, every single take they made of this movie because that would be so fascinating mm-hmm. to watch. I would I would love that so I'd much. I'd pay good money for that. Yeah, me too. Oh, man. That needs to be on, like, the 50th anniversary DVD. Uh, <laughs> 50th anniversary release needs to be, like, all of the quotes. Um... What else? Um, oh, I love also the grandpa's comment. So when it cuts back to the book and it f- turns out that she was just having a nightmare, and the mm-hmm. kid's like, see, I told you she doesn't marry Humperdinck. And the, the grandpa goes, yes, you're very smart. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Another great grandpa line that I'm sure my grandpa said to me as well. <laughs> yes, that is that is a pure grandpa line. I, I can s- picture every grandpa saying that to their grandkids. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um. The next one I have written down is another uh, moment of Inigo just being very funny and dry is when um, they're standing outside the castle with like a limp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a limp Wesley who can't move. <laughs> and he goes, let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's the dry humor that gets yeah. me. That's why I love Inigo so, so much. Yeah, it's just so funny. Very, very uh very good delivery, Mandy. You did yeah. a good job. Oh, Mandy. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, my next one is another Humperdinck line. When he's talking, when she's um, supposed the idea about uh, she has to be with Wesley, otherwise she'll kill herself. Mm-hmm. And he talks about setting his four fastest ships. And then he goes, uh, he says, like, you know, if Wesley doesn't come for her or whatever, that he says, please consider me as an alternative to suicide. <laughs> It's just, like, again, like, the dry, like, just, like, straight, very, like, classical Shakespearean delivery of it. Mm-hmm. When he's just asking her not to kill herself and send yeah. him. It's so good. And it gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
this isn't a quote, but this is just a moment that I really, really like. <laughs> it's when Fezzik is shaking Wesley's head for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he nods his head yes for him. I just really like that moment. Can you imagine, like, a ham like that on your head would literally just, like, <laughs> I think actually, um, I think in the book, Carrie Elwes talks about that, that, like, that scene where when Carrie Elwes first wakes up from the, the pill and um, Fezzik puts his hand over his mouth. I think he says in the books, he's like, I almost blacked out because it's this huge hand that took up my nose and my my mouth and I couldn't breathe. Oh my God. <laughs> I think he mentioned that in the book. It's just like, it was kind of really scary. <laughs> it's one of the few moments you remembered. He's fucking huge. And yeah. every t- I watch rewatching that scene, Fezzik does like cover his entire face almost except his eyes. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> so good. Um, what's my next one? Um, oh, when uh, he just, when um, uh, Wesley was just tortured and the Count is asking him to explain how he feels. And he goes, and remember, this is for posterity. So be honest. How do you feel? And then Wesley's whimper. I'm just like the... <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to honorably shout out the uh, dinosaur screech he makes when yes, um, which like how did they... up to fifty? <laughs> Not to fifty, which is one of my also one of my favorite quotes. Uh huh. Because again, the, the delivery of it, he's so panicked. Yeah. Oh my god. Which also, how did they make that sound effect? Very impressive. I don't know, but it is scary. It's horrifying. <laughs> it's so it, awful. It literally sounds like a dinosaur screaming yes to it's, me it's so good though <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like looking because they it hear probably, it all around the kingdom they actually use dinosaur screams for a lot of noise effects for like car crashes and oh. uh yeah from what i understand what what i've heard in like in some industry talk is that dinosaur screeches i think are a pretty common use actually for That's sound effects cool. which which makes sense because they're so High pitch, and you can really, I guess, like, because they are completely man-made. W- w- and it's funny, because we don't actually know what dinosaurs sounded like. Mm-hmm. So it's all just a guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of love. <laughs> um, another fun Hollywood fact is they use pugs to make for, like, monster sounds. They'll <gasps> Wait, use, like, really? the sound of, like, pugs just, like, living their life. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because pugs, like, their breathing is just so bad. <laughs> like, the little, like, snorts and, like, breathing noises that they yeah. make make well, good monster sounds for I, monster movies. I love like John Mulaney's explanation of um of uh Petunia and how he's like uh-huh. she she always breathes like <laughs> 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 he does it but how he does that in his special kills me every uh-huh. time yeah she that we all aspire to be M- petunia mulaney <laughs> um what's your what's your next one um my next one is uh mewage uh, mewage is what brings us together today <laughs> and then so also good. the true love yeah. <laughs> i just love it so good my favorite of his the one i wrote down that really stood out to me this time that i'd never noticed the way he says the name buttercup he goes <laughs> <laughs> yes that was the one that made me crack up today Buttercup. yeah he says buttercup <laughs> It's another kind of thing where I'm like, it, did the actor choose to do this 
Or is that did they just find someone who spoke like this and they were like, yes, you are cast. Yeah, that was the thing is I was like, was this a directorial choice or was the actor when he came in, he was like, yeah, I'm just going to fuck shit up. And like, <laughs> this was, he didn't tell anybody he was going to do this. He just so did chaotic. that the first take. Yeah, <laughs> true chaotic evil. And, and Rob Reiner's just sitting there just like, that's it. We yes. have it. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Um, I also love when Fezzik, when, um, so they're trying to get through the crowd when they hear the scream mm, and then he goes mm-hmm. like, Fezzik, will you please? And Fezzik just goes, everybody move. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I love how he does that. And everybody's just like, oh, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> so good. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Another great Fezzik and Anigo moment. Just, yeah. just two bros being bros. Yeah. They're so helpful. So supportive. <laughs> um, this one, you mentioned, like, uh, we were talking about Buttercup's lines and how, you know, they're always, like, there's, like, this strength behind a lot of them. Yeah. This is one of her one of her lines that, like, I noticed it the most. Um, it's at the wedding, and uh, Humperdinck says, your Wesley is dead. I killed him myself. And then she says, then why is there fear behind your eyes? Yeah. Oh. oh. I love it. <laughs> so good. And you see his face of just like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he notices. He's like, oh, fuck, she's right. Yeah. There yeah. is fear behind my eyes because Wesley is Wesley. So who knows what the heck he's doing? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so, that is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, My next one. Oh, so when the kid's mad about uh, Wesley having been killed uh-huh. and and the kid's so upset about it. And he's like, so Humperdinck wins? Jesus, Grandpa, what did you read me this thing for? <laughs> and I do that with my mom a lot when sometimes she'll recommend certain movies that turn out to be... So, like, did you ever see The Dressmaker with Kate Winslet? Uh, no, I did not. It's an Amazon movie. And, okay. spoiler alert, it's a lot more tragic than the trailer makes it look. Oh, okay. And my mom said it was one of her new favorite movies. She loved it so much. She thought it was so fucking funny. And Mm -hmm. she told me she wanted to watch it with me. So we watched it. And there's something that happens in the movie that is, like, true trauma. And I was devastated. Uh And I was mad at my mom for weeks (laughs) for showing me that movie and not warning me that it, like, had that kind of storyline. I was like, what the fuck, mom? So I was literally like, Jesus, mom, what did you read me this thing for? (laughs) Like, I I relate to that quote so hard Uh because I I felt that with the the dressmaker. So if any of you want a plot twist, watch the fucking dressmaker. That'll wreck your shit for weeks. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It is do- not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah. So I love that line. Just gets me every time because I'm like, ah, relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next quote I have written down is when the uh, the king and Buttercup are walking back to her uh, chambers. Mm-hmm. And, like, she mentions something about how she's going to commit suicide. And he goes, that's nice, dear. Yes. And then goes, she kissed me. <laughs> Which is such, like, a classic old man thing to do. Yeah. (laughs) And the fact that he's, like, so excited about it. Yeah. He's so happy. Yeah. There's even his little chuckle, like, (laughs) (laughs) his little scamper away. Yeah. And she's looking at him, like, just like, what? 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 (laughs) So distraught. Um... I love one of um, Miracle Max's lines, one of his first lines, when he's like, beat it or I'll call the brute squad. I'm on the brute squad. You are the brute squad. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Again, like the delivery of all of that is the so editing good. of it, the timing is perfect. And so so good. They should all give themselves a pat on the back. It's it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um this quote I I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it because I yeah. wrote it down because it's like a very iconic quote, but it's like it catches me off guard every single time I hear it. It's when um, Buttercup's about to kill herself and Wesley says, there's a a shortage of perfect breasts in this world. Would be a pity to damage yours. Yeah. I'm like, where did this come from? In this children's movie. (laughs) Yeah, it is very random. Like, for considering the movie has, like, almost no, like, they're romantic, but there's no sexual tension really in it. Mm-hmm. all of a sudden it just goes zero to 60 because like he says that line and then all of a sudden she's on top of him kissing him all over and i'm just yeah. like what are we about to watch like <laughs> and then yeah. of course it's like the double entendre of when he's like gently and i always oh, think and- oh i always gosh, think of it yeah. as like a euphemism and i'm just mm-hmm. like whoop and mm-hmm. yeah the scene gets very adult very quickly <laughs> it's the kind of thing that like i it just comes out of left field because i'm like we we haven't talked about anything like that the entire movie, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, it's just funny like, boobs because actually it makes sense. Because I think about his comment about the a dream of large women mm-hmm. to Fezzik oh, yeah, earlier. That's true. So yeah. maybe he is more of like a sexual guy. Maybe that's why like he got along with the pirates and like was able to like bond with them faster. Because maybe he is mm-hmm. more of like a bro than he appears. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he does make like sexual comments like that. And yeah, I could see that about his character. Um, it is random though. I'm also, it's like, she doesn't really wear any costumes that make her boobs look like that. Like, no, yeah. Spectacular. <laughs> so I was very modest. Yeah. Very, time. very modest. So when he says that, I'm also just like, oh, well he's seen her naked, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is like, it's not something I noticed until I watch it, you know, when I was older. Oh but yeah. It's the kind of thing where it's like, oh gosh, <laughs> this romantic movie is also a little spicy. Yes. Oh yes. Spicy. Um, (laughs) I also wrote, this isn't technically a line, but when I was watching it on Disney Plus, this was how they phrased one of the, uh, like, musical moments that happened. So, when, um, there's a moment where Miracle Max, you know how sometimes he, like, makes little music to himself, like, hi, da 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 like, he does, like, those random (laughs) Uh things. One of them, when he sang, um, when he's going to make, uh, Wesley talk. And Inigo says, how, how are you going to make him talk? He's dead. And it said on the screen, scatting mockingly. <laughs> when he goes, uh uh-huh. <laughs> That's how they described it. I mean, the only descriptor that is worthy yes. for that. <laughs> it was so <laughs> random. I was like, wow, I love that. Also, I love the, the line soon after that when he goes, there's a difference between mostly dead and all dead. <laughs> Like, what? Clearly a fantasy movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So good. Um, I mean, I like, a shout-out to... We already talked about how good this scene was, but the entire battle between Rugen and Inigo is so good. But the fact that he ends with the whole, the whole like, section where he's like, offer me money, offer me... Offer me a f- fame. I don't remember what exactly he said. Yeah, I didn't yeah, write yeah. it down. Um, and then Rugen's like, yes, yes, anything you want. And then he goes, I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And then kills him. So good. Oh, oh, oh it's so good. <laughs> Gets me every time. Like, I get mm-hmm. so fucking hype in that moment. Yeah. It's just, and oh, God. I was reading this, like, trivia that apparently um, 
Mandy Patinkin lost his father to pancreatic cancer, um, like a few years prior. And he said that it was like a really cathartic experience to have this battle with Rugen because it felt like he was battling his dad's cancer and like, you know, confronting it and like avenging his father's death in in his own real life, which I think is, it just like adds a layer to the scene that you're like, oh, this like meant a lot to Inigo, but it also meant a lot to Mandy, which is, makes my heart warm. Yeah. And you see it in his face. You see it in his eyes Mm -hmm. when he delivers that line, the, like the pain behind it and the satisfaction of winning Mm -hmm. is so good. Hurts so good. Yeah. Um, my next one is also when they're, when they're with Miracle Max and, uh, and his wife goes, um, the chocolate coating makes it go down easier. (laughs) I just, Uh (laughs) I love that. I love one that they do that in the first place. And also like, we need chocolate coating on all pills now. That should just be a thing because of Princess Bride. Cause that Mm -hmm. is such a good note. (laughs) In my head, like when I was younger watching it, I always like, I don't know why I, it's it's not canon, but for some reason in my head when I was little, I always had it that they didn't actually give him a pill. They just took a raisin and coated the raisin in chocolate and then <laughs> gave it to them. Oh my god! <laughs> Which I don't know where I got that from, but I was watching it like you know yesterday, and I was like, oh yeah, the raisin pill. And then I was like, where did I get raisin from? <laughs> it's not a raisin. That's a huge raisin. <laughs> it's a huge raisin if it is a raisin. It's probably um, like a date. A date is that size. Oh, date would make more sense, yeah, than a raisin. Yeah. There's just a lot of coats of chocolate on it, maybe. Yeah, that's like 20 <laughs> layers of chocolate. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Cover up the raisin taste. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your next quote? Um, so this isn't really a quote, but it's it's like a monologue the whole to the pain monologue. Yes. Oh, baby. It's so good. So good. Terrifying, honestly. Terrifying. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's terrifying. And like, also, I just love the, this, he gives this whole like frightening speech and like, obviously it works. Humperdinck is intimidated. Um, but then like he sits down, he sits down and gets tied up and then he's like, I knew he was faking. I knew he was bluffing. Yeah. <laughs> He has to cover it up. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I just like that. <laughs> it's good. It's really Humperdink good. Humperdink being Humperdink. Yep. Classic Humperdink. Um, I also love, so when uh, Wesley wakes up from the pill, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he just goes, I'll beat you at your part. I'll take you both together. <laughs> I just love how violent yeah. that line delivery <laughs> Immediately. is. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> It's like, it's, it's funny because so my roommate has a dog, Ollie, and every time that, um, Ollie, he lets, if I come home after I come home from work and Mm -hmm. if I come home after I come home from, how, what? When I come (laughs) home from work, if Sam is here before me, Mm -hmm. he'll open his door and Ollie, he's like a scrappy doo. Like he's adorable. Oh my gosh. And he has the Scooby Doo run where he's like (laughs) trying to move forward, but it's just his little legs. (laughs) Just sliding on the floor. And Uh he comes charging at me. And I always go like, release the Kraken. And he comes (laughs) charging at me to say hello. And so every time I'll beat you at your part, I'll take you both together, comes on. I just picture Ollie just being like, let me at her. And he just goes booking it to the front door. And it's so cute. And yeah, so I love that line. It's just like, (laughs) he's just so excited. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's such a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. I didn't write the context for this line, so I'm gonna poorly explain this. But uh, when Fezzik appears like underneath the window with the horses, yeah. Um, he's like, "Oh yeah, I like found these four horses in case we found the lady." And then he looks at Buttercup oh, and yeah. he goes, "Hello, lady." <laughs> It's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> He's just so such a sweetheart. Oh my yeah. god. I just really like that. <laughs> it is good. I missed that one. That was so good. <laughs> um my next one is um when Inigo and uh Inigo and the Count are about to like officially fight and Inigo <clears throat> is trying to get up and like recover from the stab wounds. Mm-hmm. And the Count just goes you've got an overdeveloped sense of vengeance. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. such a good line because you're just like, you don't get it. Oh, like, yeah. have you ever lost anyone you cared about? Like, uh-huh. oh my God. But also it sounds like such a thing we say to kids. Like you have mm-hmm. an overdeveloped sense of imagination. Like it's mm-hmm. something, it's so condescending. Yeah. And I love it because we get He's evil, so evil. And we don't get a lot of material from the account. But when he says that line to Inigo, you're just like, oh, Inigo mm-hmm. better fucking wreck this guy. Like, mm-hmm. so and, good. You know, you already know the count is kind of fucked up in the head because like he has the whole thing with pain. Yeah. That's, you know, concerning. Um, but then, the you know, the fact that he says that and there's just no sympathy, no empathy, no nothing in yeah. his voice and in the, his delivery it's just like, oh, wreck his shit. Yeah. And you go, wreck his shit. Yeah. Even the way he casually throws away, like, you must be that little Spaniard boy that I mm-hmm. taught a lesson to all those years ago. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Like, yeah. what? What? Wow. Wow. Calm yourself, yeah. sir. Like, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um, what's your next one? <laughs> this is stupid. Oh, no. <laughs> this, is, this is stupid. <laughs> But I like it. I mentioned it earlier. It's literally just like when the grandpa's getting up and he goes, okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. (laughs) It makes me laugh. (laughs) He's just so awkward. He's like, I don't know how to leave. I just, I don't. uh, uh, (laughs) And it's so good. (laughs) It's just the kind of thing that like, I think I've quoted a few times in my life again without realizing it. Um, I just love it. I just love the little grandpa. I love him. It's so good. Um, I have one last line to say. And for me, it's um, the whole quote of talking about when they share that kiss at the end. And it goes, since the invention of the kiss, there have been five kisses Mm. that were rated Mm -hmm. the most passionate, the most pure. Yeah. This one left them all behind. And their kiss is fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's Um, great. But I just love that line because it, mm-hmm. I just think is cute. And it's like the, it reminds you that it's a book. It reminds you mm-hmm. that it's all fantastical and it kind of brings you back to the world. It, I think it, it's a really good transition back into the world mm-hmm. of the little boy and his grandpa in their room. Yeah. And Th- yeah. That's another line that's pulled directly from the book. Oh, um, it, it sounds that way. Yeah. And except it's funny because... <laughs> He spends, like, three pages describing each of the kisses that, like, they're compared, you know, the the Wesley and Buttercup kiss is comparing to. Oh, my God. Um, So you just, like, learn about, like, (laughs) all these random couples in the world who've had good kisses. um, (laughs) Wow. For, like, a few pages. Uh, But another thing I love about that moment, though, is apparently when they were filming... um, Carrie Ewells and uh, Robin Wright just, like, had, like, little crushes on each other. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and they, they didn't want... That was, like, one of the last shots they did. 
for the movie and they didn't want it to end so they kept making up excuses to refilm the la- the kiss scene that's so cute <laughs> um which like makes sense because the kiss is fantastic it's great yeah <laughs> it's a very good kiss yeah so which is rare some of these movies yeah. man rough rough kisses yeah. but this one oh. is like Arguably, in my mind, like, the best movie kiss I've seen, I think. I would agree with that. It did not make me cringe, which usually on-screen kisses do make yep. me cringe. Um, but this one, I was like, oh, Yeah. Cute. Um, but my last quote that I want to mention <laughs> is another stupid one. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not even the movie, but I don't know if you listened to the end credits song, um, oh no, I, I, I like briefly heard it, but I didn't actually listen all the way through. It's called Storybook Love. It won a Grammy. Oh wow. Um, and the lyrics of the song are, my love is like a storybook story. What? What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that won a Grammy? <laughs> what is a storybook story? <laughs> that is, that's rough. That's, it's so bad. <laughs> But you know is the 80s so i guess we'll give him a pass yeah i i'm not a fan of 80s music that's uh-huh. my that's one of my spicy personal hot takes uh-huh. i i do not like 80s music really <laughs> um and yeah that that should stay in the 80s firmly in the it 80s it should oh geez well that that was best quotes that i think we did for maybe 45 minutes <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed As it that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now we get to finish the be- the the superlatives with best all around, which I wrote a couple of options that are like my personal mm-hmm. favorites. I wrote Buttercup and Wesley equally, like as mm-hmm. one as one nomination. Oh sure. Because you're just rooting for their love, you're rooting for their relationship, like the whole enchilada. Yeah. And then the second option I wrote is Anigo because mm-hmm. you get to that fight scene and you're just like you just want him to win just yeah. once, you know? Yeah. Anigo was the the person that I wrote down. I only chose one person. And I think it was because I was looking at, like, I was looking from, like, a, a writer's perspective. And I was like, who goes on the biggest emotional journey throughout this movie? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you would think it would be Wesley or Buttercup because they're the main characters of this movie. But honestly, like, Wesley, I love him to death. He's kind of a Mary Sue. <laughs> He's kind of perfect. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So he doesn't really, like, change much throughout the uh, throughout the progression of the movie. And Buttercup, I think she changes, but I think it's very quiet and very subtle. Um, so I don't think it's, like, the most drastic change of everybody. Fezzik is a, a, a perfect angel and stays a perfect angel from the beginning to the end. Yes. Um... But Inigo, I think, is the one who goes on the biggest, you know, he has the biggest emotional arc of, compared to everybody else. Um, and I think he feels the most fleshed out, honestly, because he has this, like, tragic backstory and he has this, like, goal of revenge in his mind that's fueling him. Um, and I think it's really interesting to, like, one, watch him get bested at the thing he's supposed to be the best at. Mm-hmm. Watch him, like, struggle with that and fall back into alcohol yeah. Um, and then watch him, like, pick himself back up, complete his, you know, this this thing that's been driving him in his, his entire life to kill the man who killed his father. And then, like, the ending, which is him going, you know, this is what my entire life has been dedicated to. What do I do next? Which I think is a really, you know, relatable 
a relatable thing that happens to a lot of adults where it's like, I've had this main goal my entire life. I've achieved it. What do I do now? Yeah. Um, so I just, I just really like his character. I think it's, I think it's a very strong character for a character that's supposed to be like a quote unquote side character. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like he, there, every emotion you can possibly experience he goes through in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the fact that his duel is like hinted at, his hero's journey is hinted at the entire time mm-hmm. to have the satisfaction of finally watching it happen. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and as annoying as Humperdinck is, the Count is much more of a horrible villain mm-hmm. than Humperdinck. Humperdinck's just a fucking coward. <laughs> the Count is, like, truly evil. Yeah. Well, I really like also how Inigo basically dedicated his whole life to learning to fence, which is such a, like, polite and gentlemanly and sportsmanlike sport. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, he's trained his entire life in this one area, and then he finally gets to duel his arch nemesis, and his arch nemesis immediately just, like, is a sleazeball and, like, cheats and stabs him, Mm -hmm. like, without looking. He does, like, the unsportsmanlike thing, which I think is a really nice character foil to, uh... Oh, to to Inigo's... To Inigo and Fezzik, and I think Mm -hmm. even, like, Wesley. Wesley, yeah. Yeah, I think all of them, that is, like, a a true foil to them, that they are all... Mm -hmm. They all fight, like, sportsmanlike, and... Yeah. The Count's just like, well, fuck that shit. Yeah. (laughs) Ugh, so good. So congratulations, Inigo. You won best all around. All right, everyone, that is part one of The Princess Bride. Tune in next week to hear I Have Some Notes and Spicy Hot Takes with my guest McKenna. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you subscribe, rate, and review. Follow our Instagram page at Please Don't Remake This. And thank you very much for listening. Bye!